episode of Dopey is brought to you by our very good friends at Oro Recovery. They're located in sunny Southern California. They were created by Bob Forrest and his friends, Evan, Jared, and Bob. Their mission to treat alcoholism and addiction with compassion and connection rather than control. Their staff with decades and decades and decades of years treating co-occurring mental health disorders, including severe mental illness, their amenities, fucking amazing, sound bath meditation, yoga, equine therapy, this potentially spiritually transformative sweat lodge. Everyone we know that has been there cannot shut up about how amazing a place Oro is. It will help you get back on your feet. Check them out at ororecovery.com. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by Sober Buddy. What is Sober Buddy? I'm sure you guys could tell me by now. It is an app. It is a community. It is a social media platform. But it's so much more. It's people. It's addicts and alcoholics who are getting their shit together and helping each other to stay sober. Their app has challenges that can help you be mindful. Their community connects you with other alcoholics and addicts. And we do Zooms, I think, 11 times a week. Dopey does a Sober Buddy Zoom every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. You can sign up for a free 30-day trial or just join. It's cheaper than, like, three fucking Frappuccinos. Check them out at YourSoberBuddy.com or on the App Store or the Google Play Store. Check it out. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our very good friends at Soberlink. We need to talk about alcohol recovery in the workplace, talking about sobriety, and proving it to your employer can be so difficult, and our friends at Soberlink want to help. 
If you need a reliable way to present documented proof of sobriety to a boss or a loved one, Soberlink can help you. Soberlink is a high-tech portable breathalyzer system that uses facial recognition technology to verify your identity. It has unique sensors to ensure that no other air sources are being used, and it sends results directly to your specified contacts. So there's no questioning whether or not you took the test and whether or not you altered the reporting. This is why Soberlink's remote alcohol monitoring system is considered the gold standard. Being in recovery from alcohol does not define the future of your career. Let Soberlink help. Learn more about Soberlink and request an exclusive $50 off promo code by visiting www.soberlink.com slash dopey. Hello and welcome to Dopey the podcast on drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And my name is Dave, and I am in New York City at my dad's house, and he is gone. I just tried to get him on the show, but I, I rushed it off to Patreon. So before I say anything else, if you're a hardcore dopey listener and you feel like you should be giving back to the show, don't fret. There is a way to give back. You go to www.patreon.com slash dopeypodcast, and there's so much shit on Patreon. I put up two bonus episodes in the last two weeks. Really good stuff is up there. There's just for today's. I just put up a hardcore, potentially offensive talk with my father about Hasidic Jews and Amish people. So go to Patreon. If you have nothing to give, give a dollar. If you have a lot to give, give more. We're setting up a $20 tier for the Diamond Circle of Dopey, the Dopey Diamond Circle, and you will get a Beanie Socks stickers entry to the Dopey Patreon Zoom. So much stuff. I appreciate anything anyone gives or can give, and if you can't give, don't worry, whatever. www.patreon.com slash dopeypodcast. That's it for that. Uh, We just got back from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. If you've never been to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, it it is a really beautiful place. We stayed on a farm. Uh, Linda got covered in cow shit, which was really funny. Uh, Susan milked cows. They played with baby goats. We went to a smorgasbord. We ate too much. We went to Dutch Wonderland. It was good. We had a really, really good time. It's nice to be able to take a vacation here and there. And next week, we're going to my father's opulent lake house. So that's very exciting. Thank you, everyone, for contributing to... uh, dopey day it was so great we love to see you guys supporting the community and if anyone is looking for help you can get help at the dopey nation zoom it is totally free and they do like 25 meetings a week and the address is 804-300-586 the password is toodles all in lowercase and Everyone loves the Dopey Nation Zoom, and it's free. So if you're looking to hang out with some dopes, go to the Dopey Nation Zoom. We got some really—this is an exciting day. We have the return of Mike Malak. Mike Malak was in New York. He wanted to go to Katz's. Then he couldn't go to Katz's, so out of nowhere, he came up to my dad's, and we recorded a very untraditional dopey episode. And also, 
friend of the show, Doug Bobst, came by and we did an impromptu dopey fitness challenge. It is a very male dominated dopey, but we've had a lot of female dominated dopeys and, and we have really good female episodes coming up. You know who returns to the show soon is Jessa Reed and we had Dr. Drew's daughter. Both stellar, stellar guests. It is kind of like the new Wicked Fire end of summer. I just noticed this email and I had to read it. So here we go. Hey Dave, love the podcast. And I've read an email from this guy before. My name is Andrew Sharkey or just Sharkey. I've been sober for 250 days. And this was from July 15th. So hopefully he's sober for like 283 days or whatever it's been. Love listening to your show, and recently I've been listening to the old shows, and you guys were talking about balloons at concerts, and it reminded me of the time I saw Dave Matthews' band and Santana in Philly in the mid to late 90s. I was about 15 and went to the concert with my girlfriend at the time. Her older brother was a couple and a couple of his friends. It's weird. He doesn't write couple. He writes CPL. The crazy part is that six of us loaded into one car and her brother's best friend happened to be the son of a dentist. He decided to steal five black hefty bags full of nitrogen, which he proceeded to drive himself and the five bags following us to the concert, like each bag was a passenger in his car. We would just open one up with our faces in the bag, taking several deep breaths, getting the wah-wahs, as we called it, the noise in your ears. We were talking about, uh, we were talking about episode forty-ish. Uh, me being newer to smoking weed, drinking beers, and huffing nitrous, took too many breaths and passed out, falling face first in the dirty parking lot of Veteran Stadium after the concert. We didn't want to waste the nitrous, so we were trying to finish it all before driving home. Probably not the smartest idea. As I woke up, I stood up, coming to. I felt a warmth trickling down my face. Thinking it was parking lot goo, I went to wipe my face and... What is parking lot goo? I went to wipe my face and, real, face and realized it was blood pouring down. Feeling no pain, I could only crack up laughing while the rest of them were freaking out. Upon coming home, being a straight-A student, I had to lie to my parents about how I fell down they didn't press me too hard and laughed about it for a while. We ended up with a nice I ended up with a nice scar on my forehead for several months. This was my first concert and my first nitrous experience. I forgot all about that story until I heard you guys talking about balloons or tanks at concerts. That was my ominous beginning to a 25-year addiction to alcohol, weed, pills, ecstasy, coke, meth, and heroin. A lot of good times and crazy stories. That's why I love the show so much. Keep up the great work. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. Sharky, an addict in recovery. Thank you, Sharky. You get Dopey Socks. So send me your address. You should probably get two Dopey Socks because I read another email of yours, and I don't think I ever sent you Dopey Socks. I hope you're out there. Send me your address, and you'll get at least one pair of Dopey Socks. If you guys are out there listening to the show and you want to be on the show, send in a voicemail, send in an email. We love to hear from you. It keeps our community robust. Here, I got this email as well. Uh, I just started listening. It's just a weird little note. 
I just started listening to you guys about three weeks ago. I can't put into words how much you guys make me LMAO, which I think means laugh my ass off. I can relate to episode 32 and so many more. Thanks so much. RIP Chris. Wish I could have met him. Dave, you keep talking about stupid shit. Every addict has the stories of stupid shit we did. Thank you. Thank you. So I love to get the emails and the voicemails. It is the best. There's this crazy thing happening, and I haven't wanted to talk about it on the show because it seems so insane. But you guys, you know, the people who actually pay attention, know that last year I got to go to the Park City Song Summit in Utah, and I and I conducted a few labs where we I moderated some conversations. This year I'm going back again. It is September 7th. There are still tickets available, and I am moderating a lab with Chuck D from Public Enemy and DMC from Run DMC about the 50 years of hip-hop. It is like a lifelong dream come true. I'm incredibly excited. If anyone can come out to the Park City Song Summit, check it out. I'm also conducting a lab with Grandmaster Flash about the birth of the hip-hop culture. So if you're interested in hip-hop, also Bob Weir is going to be at the Park City Song Summit. And and I might be able to make an amend to him for botching up the interview I did with him in 2001. So fingers crossed for that. If anyone is going to be anywhere near Utah, please come to the Park City Song Summit. I think we're going to have the founder, Ben Anderson, on again to talk about it. But holy shit, I'm like studying hip-hop like it's the Torah, and I'm fucking orthodox. I'm reading this uh, this book. Well, full disclosure, I'm listening to this audiobook called The Big Payback by Dan Charnas. It's 27 hours long. It is like the greatest book I've ever heard. Dan Charnas, I hope one day I can get you on the show. I'm going to try to get a hold of Dan Charnas to coach me up and Rosenberg to coach me up for this 50 years of hip-hop business. But if you can come to the Park City Song Summit, please do. Go to parkcitysongsummit.com, get tickets, check it out. Uh, it's it's a dream come true for me. Okay, one more email, and then we're going to get to Mr. Mike Malak. Dave, I wanted to express my gratitude for this show and share how it Im- has impacted my life. My first episode of Dopey was the episode of Chris's Passing. That episode helped me mold my recovery into what it is today. The day I found Dopey, I was less than a year clean with a month-old baby boy at home. I had just lost my lifelong best friend to a relapse overdose and had to take a miserable overnight factory job to support my family. (sighs) I was attending one meeting a week and white-knuckling sobriety while on a large dose of MAT, Medicated Assisted Treatment. My program was shaky at best. That night, I discovered what most people of the what most that most of the people in the factory also use drugs, and I was faced with my first true trigger in recovery. With a heavy heart, I searched heroin recovery podcasts on Apple and came across Chris's passing. I was instantly drawn to the show and couldn't help but go back and start listening. Your strength to persevere uh, with recovery and still providing amazing content inspired me and fueled my own recovery journey. Today I write this with almost five and a half years clean and uh, an almost five-year-old son who has never seen me high. That's a long applause. Uh, But that's amazing. 
I live by spiritual principles learned through the fellowship and have even completed the medical assisted treatment program. I stay clean today for my family and in the memory of my best friend, Nick. Thank you for all you do for this community, Dave. I hope you know your willingness, strength, and work ethic does not go unnoticed here. Fucking toodles for Chris. And I don't, I'm not using anyone's name because it fucking makes me crazy when I use people's names. And, uh, and then I have to edit the show because they didn't want me to. But thank you for the email. You get socks too. Send me uh, your address and I will ship you some socks and congratulations and thank you for the nice words. All right. Before we get to Mike Malak, I need to tell you guys about the Phoenix. Do you guys like to have fun in recovery? I know I like to have fun in recovery, and I believe that it is very hard to be in recovery unless you're having fun. So the Phoenix is an incredible nonprofit free app that plugs you into fun, activity, and connectedness. They are connected with you know, hundreds of gyms around the country and hook up addicts and alcoholics with fun. It's that simple. All you need is 48 hours clean and sober. And all you need to do is check out the Phoenix at www.thephoenix.org slash dopey. And you will be plugged in to pickleball, to CrossFit, to hikes, to art classes, to concerts. The Phoenix is going to be a major sponsor of DopeyCon. So are you coming to DopeyCon, by the way? Tickets are definitely going to be going on sale on Monday. I, I, I pray. I'm just dealing with some weird uh, paperwork stuff. It is definitely happening on October 7th. It is going to be DopeyCon IV, the most IV DopeyCon ever. But if you're not an IV addict, don't worry. There's going to be a lot of other non-IV stuff too. But the Phoenix can help you have fun in your recovery. So again, check them out at thephoenix.org slash dopey. We're also going to be doing a storytelling event with the Phoenix right before Christmas in New York City. So get ready for that. And here we go. Maybe like the most intriguing dopey guest in the history of dopey. He has a YouTube show called The Night Shift. He is on the Impulsive Podcast and YouTube show. He has a hamburger business called 10 Out of 10. It's Mike Malak. Here we go. So this is wild. Mike Malak, lauded author, podcaster, YouTube star, burger fucking operator. What? What's the best, what's the most important title you think you have, Mr. Malak? Human. Human. Person trying to, to get through this existence without, without losing it, man. How's it going? You know, uh, it depends on what day you ask me. Well, today is, what is today, Wednesday? I don't even know what month it is. Dude. I know that we're in New York City. That's good. <laughs> and I know that Mike Malak's socks say, I don't give a fuck. Just in case you were curious, do you give a fuck? I do. Yeah, this is uh, this is wishful thinking for me. Occasionally, I'll look down at my shoes and say, like, this is what I aspire to be because uh, there's a lot of people out there who are existing in ignorant bliss, and I'm a bit jealous of them because I give a fuck about every single waking second of the day to a point that on the bad days, I could probably go inpatient again just by way of mental illness and not even substance abuse. I'm a, an obsessive thinker, uh, intrusive thought 
dealer. And so, yeah, I, I wish I could say that I, my socks were truthful, but unfortunately it's just, uh, that's aspirational. aspirational. That's it. <laughs> that's all I ever wanted to do was to not give a fuck. Yeah. Be one of these people who says, I don't give a fuck. I mean and, it. Yeah, I mean it. Who means it though? Some of them do. But if you, if you really don't, give a fuck then you won't say you won't it. say you don't need to say yeah it. you only say it for like validation yeah yeah exactly man i i know that i used to try to be closer to i don't give a fuck like that was my only fucking aspiration was to say i don't give a fuck and even when i was fucking totally blitzed i think i really gave a fuck about everything there was a scene in uh euphoria which I don't, I've been on the show, by the way, uh, shout out Dobie nation, everybody listening right now. It's good to be back on that first episode was cool. Uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, obviously like I'll always try my best to make, uh, to make time to come on this show. It, there's no, there's no greater impact or, or, or thing for me to use my time for than to give back to the community that I, that I, that I share in this existence with and this, and this struggle with. And so I'm happy to be back on. Um, I think in the time since we, we talked a, a show called euphoria was on HBO and there was a scene where the main character whose name was Rue played by Zendaya said, um, the first time that I used uh, drugs was the only time I ever felt safe in my own mind. And when I heard that, it gave me goosebumps. It still does. I mean, yeah, it gives me goosebumps like, too. Like, because it's just such an accurate assessment of what drugs do for the user. Like, it was the first time I ever felt like I was okay, you know? Sure. Um, yeah, and, I had arrived. Yeah. And, and I think that when, when she relapses, I think we talked on the phone. We were like, holy shit, that it was like a big, like, it was like a, a traumatic watch. <laughs> for yeah, exactly. For, for every, I'm, I'm sure everybody. for Dopey Nation. It was, it's, it's rough, especially like Mike was a hardcore opiate addict and you see opiates and you know what it is to lose everything to it. And you, how many years you have since you took an opiate? Uh, June 23rd, 2010. So just over 13 years now yeah. I've, I've you know, for all intents and purposes, forgotten what that feels like. I mean, even, you know, been hit by cars and had surgeries and not, and, you know, and turned down the, 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 um, pain pills just because I, you know, it's just too much of a risk for me, you know, but, um, but I, I, on the note of the, uh, of euphoria, you know, a week ago, I think today, uh, Angus cloud, died yes um just a, a tremendous tremendous loss for the show uh for the community um i had a chance to meet him uh, on multiple occasions in los angeles amongst other places um absolutely one of the sweetest people uh was he exactly like exactly he was exactly like he was on the show right. pretty much exact and i think you know it was kind of like an ongoing joke um that he was like, you know, fried or like burnt out or whatever. But I, you know, I, I, we're still kind of short on details as to what actually happened. But I'm, you know, at first it seemed like it was going to, it was mental illness related and it might end up having been a suicide. But I, I think the more that's coming out, it seems like it's moving more towards a substance uh, thing. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to put fucking gossip out there or anything like that. But because, because regardless of how it happened, I mean, it's just a tremendous loss. And, um, and there was obviously a ton of pain there. A ton of pain. He had just lost his father. Uh, his, he, you know, he claimed to, to have been his best friend in the world and, um, just, just a really, just a really big loss and sad loss for, for the community, you know? Yeah. So, 
I feel like when I follow you, right, I feel like you fly very close to the flame, right? Because <laughs> yeah. it's like you had substance issues, you had food issues, and you're out there in the world of rich, young, beautiful people fucking partying, and then your fucking side hustle is food. So, like, how do you fly so close without plummeting, Mike Malak? I mean, define plummeting, right? It's like using drugs. I think I think all of us find our our strengths and our abilities to maneuver away from drugs in different ways. I, I think I mentioned this the first time I was on, but, but the idea, the concept of drug use, even not being around it makes me want to throw up. I probably could vomit right now the bacon, egg and cheese I just ate at Sonny and Annie's on 7th easily just by thinking about the, the destruction and damage I did to my life and to the life of my family as a result of my drug abuse. That's a that's a blessing for me. I know a lot of people don't have that. A lot of people have those feelings of like, oh, I want to do this again. I only think of the dark times. I only think of the consequences. Of the, We're yeah, insanity. The 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 you know the driving cars off cliffs, waking up in ICU, going to the funerals, going to the you know to the wakes, the felony charges, the judge, the all of that stuff is the only thing that plays in my mind. So what, when you're going to a Logan Paul fight or yep. you're going to Miami, you're going yep. to Abu Dhabi or, or you go everywhere. Everywhere. You have a very glamorous life, $30,000 a night house. Like just reading the titles of the videos, <laughs> it's like it's it's like there's the entertainment of excess, right? And mm -hmm. the fun of being young and free and doing this shit. But where is the line between this excess and that excess? And is it related at all? I mean, sure, you can become an addict to anything. Okay, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, I have struggled with every other addiction besides drugs since then. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I just know that my true boundary is narcotics you know, certainly. And so like, that's a non-starter for me. Like, I don't care who the, f obviously I don't even have to say this, but like, I don't care who's doing drugs or offering drugs. Like I will, I, it is my intent day by day to never do drugs again for the rest of my life. And I've done so for 13 years and it's been fantastic. Right. But I've had my, my runs with sex addiction. I've had runs with gambling and, and, and by the way, some of the stuff I, I still like to do, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not I'm sure you love fucking and gambling. Stuff. I do. I do. I mean, it depends on the night you ask me from a gambling standpoint, the majority, if you ask me prior to gambling, we don't talk about nearly enough. So can you shed some light on having gambling issues? Well, I mean, the gambling thing is tricky and, and, and it's extremely hard for me because I would be hypocritical to to uh, completely shame it as I as I sometimes promote it. I sometimes play online. I sometimes do a lot of stuff that that promotes it. I understand the dangers of it. I have had to consider drawing lines somewhere and that, uh, you know, by way of conversations with my team and other people in the addiction field ended up being with what's called process addictions, which are a little bit different than, you know, substance abuse and, and what's a process of, addiction. You know, I don't, don't let me give the definition of it completely, <laughs> but it's, but it's a, honestly, anything can become a process addiction. I mean, I mean, Let's let's be honest. Like my promotion of of cheeseburgers could be as dangerous as my promotion of the fact that I play blackjack or sports bet every once in a you while. You mean the health consequences of, course, of eating cheeseburgers? Of course, I'm sure there's many more deaths that can be attributed to heart disease in America every year than they can than there can be to sports betting, right? So so the question just ends up becoming: Where do you draw the line? Uh, where where do you balance your desire to be a an example of perfection? for the addiction crowd, but also the youth versus 
the idea of, okay, I really would love the idea of, of sustaining some level of financial freedom for my life. Where do you draw the line? Where do you say this is too far? I would never promote an alcohol brand. There, that day will never come. I just wouldn't do it because it's too close to my message, right? Like, like there's a lot of, it, it, it's, a, it's a very difficult balance and a very difficult decision-making process. But I, the way I look at it is I generally am willing to talk about, at least openly, stuff that I still do on a day-to-day basis. So, so, you know, if that's wrong, you know, people can, people can go ahead and call me out for it. But, but, you know, something tells me your community is not quite the most judgment. No, no. But I want to know, like, where do you think, just in terms of gambling, because yeah. I never get to talk to many people yeah. that have a gambling thing. Mm-hmm. When does your gambling become a thing even? A problem? Yeah. When it starts to affect your life outside of the casino or sports. I mean, have I you mean, had if you're, that happen? Absolutely not. So, no. you ha- so it hasn't been a problem. No, it hasn't. But that's not that's not to say that I'm not. You're not aware of the effect it could have on other 100%. people. I get very upset when I see the what's his face, the guy from Breaking Bad doing all these MG, these these commercials. It it upsets uh, me. Which 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 one? The kid, Aaron uh, Aaron Paul. Yeah. How come? I don't know. All he all he does yep. is advertising for gambling and alcohol. That's all he does. <laughs> and he was the fucking tweaker meth maker on Breaking Bad. Well, I guess. Okay. So I guess it's like this. It's like I didn't noise the fuck out of me. Re- okay. So I guess it's like this. If I I don't have a problem with anyone making promoting fun. anything, as long as it doesn't contradict the message that they're trying to put out naturally outside of promotions. Do you understand what I'm saying? If he was a person that, if Aaron Paul was a person who worked in the addiction space, didn't put out shows about cooking meth, right? And and was on the exact other side of it, then I would be, then I would be a little bit upset that he was talking about X, Y, and Z, right? But, but listen, like the American culture is one of gratuitous violence, sex, sex, and, and, More. and I'm not saying to dump fuel on it. I'm not saying to, 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 to make it worse, but it's just, it's going to come down to every single creator and every single celebrity to make a decision as to where to draw the line specifically. I don't know why it should bother me. Maybe I'm just a hater. You know what I mean? Like maybe I'm just a little bit of a hater, but there's, it's just like, there's something about it for me in our community, like fucking the kid on Breaking Bad. What's the kid's name on Breaking Bad? Uh, Jesse. Jesse. Yeah, Jesse's yeah. one of us. Yeah. You know what I mean? You see that kid on Breaking Bad and he's one he's of us. Addict. Yeah, he's fucked. <laughs> show. He's just, you know, Jesse, yeah. the character, is totally. Like we care about him. Yeah, he's Dopey Nation. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. He's big yeah. time Dopey Nation. Yeah. And Aaron Paul is not Jesse. He's an right, actor. Right. He, he plays this guy. But for me, I see Jesse. And then on the other hand, if it actually is Jesse, I'd be like psyched that Jesse's making that money from it. But there's just some <laughs> see, disconnect. You don't yeah. like that Aaron's yeah. making money. Yeah, I don't money. like it. You Utilizing I, yeah. Jesse's clout. I don't like it. Yeah, it's a There's, bit, there's yeah. something about it that it hits me the wrong way. And I think that might be it. That he's perverting the beauty of Jesse to, for his to, own yeah, I don't success. Like it. And that's and when it really comes down to is I'm fucked up. I've got mental problems. Well, I, the, I'm a I mean, sick person. We all we all do. I and, and by the way, like I'm I'm evolving every day. We 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 all are. I'm 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 doing the best I can, right? And I've had very strategic alcohol sponsorship offers. I've had a lot of different offers. There was a time when I was doing crypto casino stuff, kind of turning a blind eye to its regulatory 
you know, uh, prowess, right? Now I work with people that I know are age checking. I know we're doing diligence in terms of like, is this person a gambling addict or like, like the, the big dogs generally have some level of regulatory responsibility to the community and, and to everyone else out there. So like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky topic. It's like, it's like, you know, am I, am I getting paid? And, and is there a chance that someone out there is, is, is being hurt as a result of it? It, it, it is possible. You know what I'm saying? But it's, it's just, it's just like, where do you, where, I guess, I don't know, where do you draw the line? It's nitpicky because I mean, I know that people like our show is mostly about, I mean, it's mostly about drugs and addiction and dumb shit, but yep. then it's also about recovery. But some people, I, I make some money on it, but some people do feel very triggered when they listen. And it's like, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm just yeah, doing yeah, my thing. Yeah. But what I really want to know that I'm yeah. sitting with you, yeah. I never met you before in person. <laughs> it's good to and meet dude, you. <laughs> you had such a fucking like meteoric rise from nothing to like a big fucking deal. Yeah. How is it? Is it stressful? Is it fun? I'm sure it's both. It's been a little bit of everything. I mean, I, I mean, more than anything, it's been a blessing. I think, I think, you know, I, I have a platform now, which you know, even even by way of the last conversation we were just having about that topic, that I that I have a level of responsibility to, right? And I'm hearing that. That's yeah, kind of what and, I and 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 I tr and I really do try my best to to fulfill my desire to be responsible to that platform. The message I deliver. I, I try to, for it to be aligned with positivity, to be aligned with forgiveness, to be aligned with second chances in fun. life, fun for sure. Good time, but, enjoying life, but not at the cost of others. Being you know hurt. exactly. So like, be kind, do no harm is like really. I try for it to be my for to be my ethos, right, and to be my mantra. But it's like, you know, once again. I, and I'm sure you're going to bring it up and maybe I've already mentioned it a little bit, but it's like, I spend time around girls that work in the sex space, right? Sometimes not as much as I used to. We just had MILF 53 year old Mrs. Robinson right here sitting in your per chair. Per perfect example. It's like, let me ask you this question, like similarly going back to the gambling, do you feel responsible for promoting sex to your, you know what I'm saying? It's like, do you understand what I'm saying? It's like, where is the line drawn, right? For for us, it's all about people feeling connected to people who struggle or right. who suffered or right. or like, oh shit, he's done this, I've done that too. It's not we don't have any real No, 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 that wasn't that wasn't a question as to like to put you on the spot. I just mean I just mean like for, for this yes, for this entire atmosphere and environment of questions, it's like it's like listen, the, the one thing I can say more than anything else is that when you watch me on camera, when you watch me off camera, very similar to, to Angus, Angus Cloud and some of these other people, there is no differentiation in character. You get what you see on camera, off camera. Every person that's ever met me has said, I met Mike. He's exactly who he portrays to be online. He gave me 20 minutes standing outside. He talked to me. He had no reason to fucking talk to me. He talked to me about my addiction. He talked to me about my parents. That is what I strive to be. I strive to be a person that you can come up to I'm as real and as faulted and as fucked up in real life as I as I appear to be on camera. And so that's 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 all I've ever wanted to to put out there. Consistency you know? is critical to you. <laughs> yeah. But dude, the funniest thing is we've had a lot of people on the show. We've done, you know, 423 episodes. Yeah. And when you were on the show, the crowd was so nuts. They were just they were like, "Can you give me his number? Can you get, how do I get to him?" And that didn't happen with other people. You know what I mean? Like You know why, right? 
Because they feel like they're connected to there's you. There's no. There's no barrier. There's you're no, talking there's right. No you're with character. them. There's no character. When Jesse, when or when Aaron Paul plays Jesse, it's a character. Right. Tom Cruise plays in Mission Impossible. It's a character. My audience watches me because they know someone who struggles with crack cocaine addiction. They know that their mom is in jail for for fentanyl possession, and they and they didn't get it. Watching Logan, watching Jake, watching KSI, watching all these guys, they, they, they watched those and they said, okay, this is entertaining for me, but I never pulled that value from it until I came along and started talking about addiction, drug abuse, mental illness to an audience of tens of millions of people and have clips that have done billions of views on TikTok, a book that has sold hundreds of thousands of copies on Amazon as one of the highest ranked books on Amazon and Audible. Does, right? that, does that fuck with you at all? Like that you are known and it's like you're meeting all these people who know you and you don't know them. Does it fuck with you ever? And if it does, how so? It's got to sometimes. It's got to be. I mean, even for me, who, who you know, I have a tiny speck. I'm a, a bug in this world. When people know things about me, I think it's cool, but it's also a little weird. You should imagine what it would be like for them to know every single intimate detail. Like, you know, I... Very like early on coming into the space, identified the power of transparency and authenticity. I saw that it it was me over telling, over explaining, talking about smoking crack while my grandfather was begging for help downstairs. Talk about cheating scandals. Talk about all the things that make me fucking human that became the reason why that audience or whoever's audience is watching me wants to talk to me after the show, wants to link up, wants to say, yo, I've been struggling with this problem for eight years. How can you help? Like, please help me. Because they know that I'm struggling. I'm not showing up here like, oh, yo, I made six and a half million dollars last year. I own a foot. No one cares about that shit. People like to hear about that. It is. It's fun. I can tell you funny stories. I can tell you crazy stories about three ways with porn stars in hot tubs. I can tell you stories about Iceland and, and Logan breaking his hand in Germany and me and him getting in huge arguments and huge fights and, and all of that stuff. I'll put it all in a second book. I'm sure at some point I can talk to you about accidental, you know, meetings with narco traffickers in Dubai that I didn't even know were, I can talk to you about royalty in, in Here, Saudi tell Arabia. Tell us the narco trafficking. I, that one I'm a little worried about. That sounds so. like the one that really would hit for us. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a, it's a touchy story, but I'll, I'll tell you this much. Basically, Logan and I had had traveled to Dubai. He was going there to buy like a six million dollar Pokemon card. Like, 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 listen to what is being said right now, right? Like a six million dollar Pokemon card. And we went and a friend of mine actually, well, we were getting when we got to the airport, actually forgot that he was in possession of some substances, I'll just say, from uh, the night before, which was in Ibiza. It, this is a complete, you know, swap of places. Ibiza is the rowdiest place on earth. Dubai is not. Don't even come across a kernel of weed or you're going to jail for 15 years, right? And so a buddy of mine had had run into some major trouble. He was able to, you know, maneuver out of it. I'm not going to paint the picture completely because a lot of the stuff is, is very just crazy. But by way of that, we ended up in a meeting the next day. And we're sitting in this, you know, massive hotel having uh, tea and being brought, you know, dates by Arabs in, in their Shimog and, and Tobe and, and, and all this stuff. And we're sitting there. We have this meeting. And, you know, one of the guys is, is, is I, I'm trying to tell the story without giving away 
it because I don't really know <laughs> like how much I'm who's going to come murder. Yeah, you exactly. Sleep. Exactly. So we have this meeting and our security afterwards says runs up to us and he's red in the face. And we didn't even, we, you know, we had no idea like what was going on after the meeting had, had kind of uh, ended. It's like, do you know who you just had fucking lunch with? Do you know who you just had fucking lunch with? Like, dude, what the fuck are you freaking out with? Says the guy's name. He turns out to be like a pretty massive, like wanted. Like he has poppy fields and Turkey. And yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so like, listen, like those stories are endless. Like I have, I have a million stories that are, are, crazier than any other that are as crazy as the stories you hear from any a-list celebrity you know what i'm saying i'm not an a-list celebrity i'm a youtube creator you know but by way of logan's fame and by way of you know honestly the fame that i've created and the network that i've created for myself as well we end up in some really fucking crazy scenarios when did it become normal to be in those scenarios since day one for you yeah because i because i became friends with logan but i mean he was always so by the time i got with him he was always so big that like I've had, I just had a night recently, maybe a couple months ago where I was in Australia. I was in uh, Gold Coast, Australia, right? And I was there kind of just exploring. Logan had just launched Prime in, uh, in Sydney and Perth. And I kept going after that. And I went to Gold Coast. I was checking into the hotel at the Langham. And I went to get on the elevator and I see this, you know, nice uh, black man walk off the elevator and he's got a security guard with him. And I go, oh, maybe it's, yo, it must be Dan Aykroyd or something, you know, or whatever that line is from the movie. I see him like, it must be somebody. I turn around, just like understand, like paint this picture yourself. I turn around and I look and I go, Dave? And he turns around, he goes, Mike? It's Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle. Shut the fuck up. Who, who turns around and knows me, knows me. Like we've, he knows who I am. Like we've talked many times before we've hung out in the States at catch in this place. And he's been at the fights and all this stuff. So, so the idea that he then turned around, says my name, we, we, we meet up and he says, you know, I got this, this comedy show in Brisbane tonight. You got to come to it, man. You got to come to it. And, uh, so I end up connecting with his manager. I go up an hour to Brisbane from gold coast and me and a couple Australian girls. And, uh, we go, we watch Dave Chappelle perform, uh, you know, one of the genius comedians of of our, our times, all times, of all times, yeah. you know, one of the potentially the greatest of all time. Right. There. Puts on this masterful show in Brisbane. Everybody goes crazy. And I get a text message, you know, afterwards from uh, his manager. Dave would like for you to come backstage. So I go back and his he has what's called a red room. A lot of people have green rooms. He keeps his room red. So all the lights are red in the room. He's sitting back there. He's got his his uh, tequila. Why his, red? I don't know. He said it like calms him. And he's got this. He's got this massive uh, boom box and he, he's playing, you know, you know, old school hip hop and like Nas and, yeah, yeah, and sure, you know, sure. and and um, and Mob Deep and shit like that. But then so so anyways, we walk in and, and, and we sit down with him and he's like, you know, he, he talks about this thing and that thing. But he wants to talk about Logan's boxing and Jake's what these guys are doing for the sport. I, you got to let me tell this story, Mike. You got to let me tell the story. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm like, Dave Chappelle, you can tell the story. I promise you, no one's going to say, nah, we don't want him telling it. You know, like you can tell the story, right? So we have this whole night. We talk about the fifth vital, my book. He wants me to send him to the prisons in, in Ohio and shit he's from Ohio. But then I was like, you want to go get dinner? So we go out, we go out in Brisbane and they open a whole restaurant for us at 2 a.m. They give us all this Australian Wagyu, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars Crazy. worth of steak. And it's just me, Dave Chappelle, two Australian models. And then we spend the whole night in Brisbane. We go to a bunch of clubs and we're walking into these places. And honestly, there was a moment where 
were there. And this has happened to me a couple of times. This is when I really understand. I want to preface this before I even say it. This is the dumbest shit ever. This should never happen. I want anybody listening to this or, or, or watching this to understand. Don't ever do this. Standing next to Dave Chappelle and two or three people come up to me and ask me for photos. Yo, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. Love your work on the night shift on YouTube. I, the embarrassment I right. felt in myself right. for this situation. Right, right, right. Because right. I don't take myself seriously, bro. Do right. you understand? But like, it's, it's, don't walk up to me. It just happened in front of Lance Armstrong. It was Lance, Ar Lance Armstrong in Dallas for Jake's fight this weekend. Lance Armstrong, Jorge Masvidal, Johnny Manziel, who just had a special come out. But I out. think that has to do with the medium. It has to do with, listen, and, also, and also, like, you talk about, I want to know about Dave Chappelle. I fucking love Dave. I mean, Chappelle. that's pretty much it. We but, had a whole night out, and 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 he's the go. I I don't tell that story because I don't ever want it to seem like bragging, but or 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 this non humble storytelling. But I do. I get in these situations that are unheard of, and no, and no other YouTuber, TikToker, creator is in these situations. I don't care how big they are. I don't care if it's Mr. Beast. I don't give a fuck who it is. They're not doing this type of shit, bro. I think though it has to, it's the perfect kind of recipe because you have Logan Paul's fame. Yep. Then you have his boxing yep. and then you have the transparency that you're willing to deliver yep. and let, you know, excuse the word, but pathos, like the shit you've been through is ridiculous. And the fact that you will get vulnerable, you will be transparent. You'll talk directly to people it creates this kind of world where it's like intrigue from fame plus accessibility. All, and not to mention, I'm probably with five good looking girls, right? Like they, it, I've, I've been semi-intentionful about, uh, you know, how I, how I carry myself off camera and like what I do off camera. But, but like, dude, make no mistake. I was born not in New York city, but close enough to garner the capability to work a fucking room. Like, you know all about finesse. You're a drug addict. I'm a fucking drug addict. I, if drug addiction taught me how to finesse a situation. That's really what I mean, though. It's like, <laughs> and like, the second you got connected to Logan Paul, I think instinct kicks in and you know exactly how to do what's necessary to become who you became. So there's, so yes, but, but with my situation, if you go and you ask the people, because there's a difference between finesse and finesse to get in your, your foot in the door to then provide real value, right? And so like, that's a dramatic difference. Like there's, there's no one in the space and this goes to Logan, this goes you know, to Lana, whoever, that would come up and be like, oh, my value to Mike was that much more dramatic than the return value. All of my relationships are either symbiotic or I'm providing more. So, so, so my finesse is simply to say, yo, hey, what's up? But then after that, like you're winning because I'm a part of your team. I know what the fuck I'm doing, you know, like I, whether it's business, whether it's content, whatever it is, and more, more than anything, relationships. How did you know you knew what you were doing? Like, when did it occur to you? I still don't. Exactly. <laughs> and, I, and I also want to lead, I want to lead with the fucking socks. You know, you've told the story about supermodels, like, you know, I can imagine Dave Chappelle, fucking Lana Rhodes. The socks say, I don't give a fuck. But the first thing you said is that is not true. So where does mental illness rub up against intense fame? 24-7. And what, what does it look like? It looks like a- Imposter syndrome? It looks like imposter syndrome. It looks like, a, it looks like massive problems with competitive self-worth. It looks like- Break that down, please. Because um, this is where the I want to, you know, you go very fast- you fucking sorry. skim over the water. Sorry. Don't be sorry. But like, this is where it gets real. 
You know what I mean? Like all that shit is unbelievable. And, and I'm very jealous and I'm very excited for you. I don't, and I, just so you know, I said it because you asked me. I, I would never, I like telling the you stories. Know that but I, I want to hear I know, that shit. But I would much rather, I would much rather talk about this stuff. And, and if you watch enough of my content, you know, it's, it's, it's not very often that I tell glamorous stories because. And also from my dad's hovel. Telling the story yeah. about about Australia is very yeah. great. Yeah, how, how does it feel to be in it's total middle like, class Judaism? I feel like I'm in a kingdom, a, a relic right. of the past. The past. It, it, it looks probably very similar to how it did in like 1979. Well, probably give or take, <laughs> give or take. But it's but I love you telling this story here. But let's. I want to talk about where mental illness, insecurity, imposter syndrome runs up against ridiculous success. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, first and foremost, it's you, you would be surprised or maybe you wouldn't be surprised. Maybe people wouldn't be surprised anymore to understand the, the level of mental illness that runs rampant in the celebrity business, entrepreneurial That's interesting. space. Like these people are fucked up, right? These are fucked up individuals, right? Who, who just so happen to have access to a stylist, a bunch of money, makeup and stuff to make them look perfect, perfect or better or okay. Right. But as you see on a daily basis, you know, people are constantly toppling over, going back to inpatient, going Fucking back. Up. Like there's a lot of overlap between creative genius and psychopath or, 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 or uh, sociopath or addict. Like, like, dude, like look at the greats, look at Hendrix, look at Jim Morrison, look at, all these guys that produced works that will live for the rest of time. Like there's a reason why, you know, fucked up people create work that is so based in trauma and emotion and struggle and, and all of the evils of this world, you know, and, and why it hits so hard and why it hits so hard because everybody listening to it understands what they're struggling with. And for me, more than anything, my self-limiting beliefs and my doubt and my imposter syndrome and all that stuff that you talked about just acts simply as a ceiling for me. It's like, That's it's the like, biggest it's like, thing. It's like an insurance policy that you don't totally lose your mind. No, it's the opposite. It's a, it's a, it's a check that someone puts down at the end of a dinner. It's costing me. It's what do you costing mean? Explain me. that some more, please. I can sit on Logan's podcast. It's our podcast. We started it together. I have a very healthy percentage of it. We, without each other, the show doesn't work, right? It's our show, but I'll call it Logan's podcast because it's called Impulsive, right? I can sit on that podcast. I can do night shift videos. I can sell my book. I can sell my clothing, which sells millions of dollars a year because it's great. And it's, I have a great company that does these great designs and be comfortable, right? Be comfortable tell this story about addiction and mental illness and all these things to an audience of people who know who I am and are aware and, and call it a day. I know that I have the talent and capability to do anything I want, anything I want. I know that deep down. I know that, right? Take it to a stage, do self-talk, do motivational, do strictly 5013C and go to schools, you know, write long form content, well, write a book, second the book. The book is so good. Thank you. The book, if no one's read The Fifth Vital, it's like right up there with the best drug memoirs and addiction memoirs and just memoirs in general. It's amazing book. Thank you. I loved it. Thank you, brother. You know that I, I really did. I know. I appreciate that. And it's the most important thing that I've ever done in my life. And but it, also like when I read it, I was right with you. Yeah. You know, and then when we talked about it, I was like very plugged in. And and I think 
it's it just pops up in your face. And and I think that when we hear about how and I, I don't want to make you uncomfortable, but when you get to this level of success, the fact that you lived both of these lives, it's 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 heavy. I purposely paralleled them, contrast in the first two chap first few chapters right. of bouncing back and forth. Um in chapter one, obviously talking about you know, digging my nose out with a razor blade, trying to get scabs out from, you know, tearing all of the cartilage out of my, you know, nose uh, night after night after night from, you know, shards of cocaine and God knows what else was in it and sniffing heroin. I put that right up against chapter two, which was in a bathroom once again, looking in a mirror like I was in chapter one thinking like, but your fame has been stratospheric since, since you wrote that then. Day. Yeah, absolutely. it's like not even it's like almost not close. And I'm still in that mirror. I'm still sweating. I'm still waking up every day having trouble continuing on, to be honest with you. You know, I mean, there's, and, and listen, listen, like I'm not gonna, I'm not suicidal, right? I'm not, I, I promise you I'm not. Mom, if you're listening to this, I'm not gonna kill myself. Do you think your mom's gonna listen? Uh, she does, nice. she does. But um, I, uh, I continue to have my life affected in a very major way by my mental illness and by my struggles with mental illness. And I don't mean, I don't mean my inadequacies and inabilities to start another show and to, and to become a bigger celebrity and stuff like that. I mean, interpersonal relationships. Well, I mean, break that down though. What do you mean? Like, where does, where do you see your mental illness pop up? I was just, man, this is like, this is like me, like, Oh, going wide open on something that really just happened but I was just talking to a girl a great girl and I have a lot of trouble in relationships I have I think like a lot of us I have intimacy issues I have trauma I have severe severe anxiety that that creates a a, a hot and cold lover that's just unacceptable it's not a partner it's not someone that you'd want to fucking deal with every day right and in and out, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Not to mention, add on, you know, two hundred days of travel a year, and and all of the all of the stressors and traumas of of being in the space that I'm in, right? And, you know, I got a good look at a relationship, and I I started to spiral. I started to spiral. I started to feel very. I started to get very comp uh, obsessive in my mind, and I started to think very dark, and I started to have a lot of intrusive thoughts. I have been studying philosophy a little bit lately, and there's a philosopher by the name of uh, Carl Jung, who, you know, one of the greats, right? Mm -hmm. Archetypes and, you know, your shadow and self-actualization. He has a quote that basically says, neurosis of the mind can be caused, you know, easily by a nonconformist forcing conformity into their life. A lot of us are very abnormal humans. I'm a I'm a very fucked up, means very well, trying to make the world a better place and impact the world in a good way, but very fucked up person. Wow. And I, and, 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 and and by the way, the one thing she did tell me that I, I'll take with it, and I, I'll get back to that story, is she wants she wanted me to start talking better about myself, and to stop constantly undermining yourself and just being so negative no matter how truthful it but is but don't you think you get negative as a form of humility like don't you think you say that shit because it's like you want people to know that you don't i, I mean i do the same thing like i put my deprecation yeah i put myself down constantly uh, yeah 
to yes. try to even like when you have a platform, you put yourself down because if you don't on the platform, you might seem arrogant. I do that all the time. The difference between me and someone else who does it is I really mean it. Like, I'm not saying it just because I need to level the playing field for a listener. Like, and by the way, this brings it back to the authenticity that we talked about earlier, why people reach out after these shows go on, because they know that I really mean right. it. It's a they lot. know I'm not saying like, oh, like, like, it's funny when rappers be like, oh man, like, you know, it's tough out here for a broke dude like me, rocking a chain and, and, and pulling up in a McLaren. When I say that I struggle immensely with relationships in my life, when I say that I struggle with my with value and self-worth and traumas from the past and and desire to continue doing what I do because of anxiety and depression and, and obsessive thinking, the audience knows that I'm saying that not for a victory, not to level a playing field, but because that's what's actually fucking happening. They've seen all of the physical effects of the stuff that I'm talking about. They've seen me have to walk off shows because I couldn't stand the show too, anymore because I crazed. have panic attacks. Right. And you're, you're so in it, right? So in and, it. And I'm, where's I the manic. But where's the decompression? I don't know. Where do you decompress? No idea. What in, do you do water, for this stuff? I mean, I go to the gym every single day. I work out every single day. I always feel better when I leave the gym. I've never once felt worse leaving the gym than, I, than when I got there. It's the one tried and true thing that I can count on to improve my mental health, my physical health, and just keep me well-rounded enough to continue moving on. If you took me out of the gym, I would not survive. So physical fitness has is a huge relief for your craziness. Yes. I, I'm like sick in 12-step stuff because I needed it. I know you've resisted 12-step stuff, but it's got a lot of shit built into it. almost done resisting. It's got a lot I, of good shit am. built in. It's yeah. like it like deals with every fucking thing you're talking about. And it doesn't need to be, do you do therapy at all? Yeah, I just got back into therapy. I've been, uh, another reason I love coming on the show, by the way, is cause like, dude, like when I talk about this stuff on other podcasts, like people don't get, like if I say like effects or like people are like, what is that? Like a machine at like, is that a forklift? Like when I talk about Requiem for like any of that type of shit, that's only like, symbolic and representative of the culture that we Came dopey up, nation yeah. understand. Like that's why I fucking love coming on here. So I've been considering going back on SSRIs recently because I've been struggling a little bit more than usual lately. I had got, I've been in a pretty good place for the past couple of years, but I have been spiraling a little bit over the past like month or so. And I think potentially some of that could have been because I was trying to conform to this relationship that it just might not be the right time right now for me. I'm very busy and I, and I need my freedom and, and I, I don't want to go crazy trying to build a life that people tell me that I have to have. Meaning what? You're 38 years old. You're so fucking old. Like, what, like you're going to have kids. Like how long are you going to fucking do this shit for? How long are you going to, you know, frolic around and, and, and make content and, and do all this shit that, that doesn't matter. And you know, when are you going to settle down? When are you going to do something that, that actually, you know, like is what you're supposed to do in life. I've gotten very good at, at tuning shit out, but, uh, but like uh, people would be lying to you if they said that some of that stuff doesn't eventually creep in a little bit into your psyche, especially as it, as traditionality and conventionality has started to see an, a new uprising on social media. You're seeing it with people like Andrew Tate and all of these people who are bringing back the traditional male, the, 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 role, the, the right. you know, like the strong, like depression isn't real. You know, mental illness isn't real. Well, uh, you're a just a pussy, right, right, right. like that type of shit. I know that that's not true. 
but but like we're all we're all at the whim of of occasionally believing little peanut galleries. Of course. Well, it's the convention in our heads too. Like that's talking. You hear from them and then it comes into here and then you hear, oh my God, what if, what if that's true? What if that's true? Where am I in this? When's the last time you were in a very serious relationship? You were very publicly in the, in the Lana Rhodes romance. 2012. That was it? No. <laughs> I hate to say it. Really? Listen, I owe so much to, to, to Lana, dude. She taught me a lot. Defi you know, it's like, it's like, what is your definition of like a serious relationship, right? You know, I was exclusive to her. I was, we, we were together. We spent all of our time together. Was there ever a part of me who thought that that was going to be a relationship that withstood the test of any kind of serious amount of time, led to a child, led to a marriage? There was never an inkling in my mind. Wait, that's not your kid? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, um. But right. there, but there was love. But there was love there. I mean, when Certainly. we when we did our talk, yep. you were in the midst of that relationship. Yep. You had, we even talked about her coming on Dopey. Like she had a, some kind of potential oh, yeah. story to yep. tell. Yep. And you were in the midst of this very public, very romantic romance. And like, why are you so quick to be like? There's no way that could have been. I have lost. I have lost contact with the emotion of love and attachment. Oh, this is very deep now. I have lost all contact with that. And it, it's, um, I mean that for everyone. I mean that for everyone. But that's why I, you're so high speed. When you slow down, all of a sudden it's like, right? I, I feel like I'm in therapy right now. And honestly, we may, we may come to a better conclusion today than I have with my therapist who I pay a lot of fucking money to, to therapeute me. Well, I do work in the deli, so I, I am I am qualified. Have you ever thought about putting a, an office in the back of Katz's for people who have problems? If, if the ownership didn't have issues with my fame whoring, I would do so much stuff at Katz's. <laughs> but let's let's break this down. Because yeah. I think this is very important. You're slowing down and I see you like in your fucking feelings. I, I spend a lot of time there. It's but, a place I know very well. But resistance to love is a fucking bold thing to say. Uh, it's it's not resistant. I'm not trying to do it. Guarded. It is. It is. I'm not trying to be guarded. I it, it is there. I don't know where the trauma is from. I don't know why it's like that. The last time I felt comfortable or like I was in a relationship with someone that I, you know, that I could see a long-term thing was, was, was over 10 years ago. And that was before all this stuff. It was before all this stuff. And it was before my mind, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Why did I start using drugs? Right. Why did either of us start using drugs? Why does anybody start using drugs? When feels you, good. It does it feel good, or are you taking or you care of, or are you? Taking, are you it's like Gabor Monte. Are, you, are, you, are you treating the pain? Like where's the pain? Where's the pain? Where's the anxiety? Where's the OCD? Where's the where's the feelings of less than? Where's the trauma from the past? Where's the subconscious shit that you don't even fucking know about? Right. When I got clean in 2010, I spent you know a year in the pink cloud, right? Like having a great time. But it wasn't too long after that. I think it was right around 2013 where I started to have exponentially compounded mental problems uh, having to do with severe, severe obsessive thoughts to a point where, you know, I could convince myself of, of some of the most maniacal things that you could ever imagine that honestly, I'm still really not comfortable talking about, you know, <laughs> like, like, like no, why? Yeah, why could you say that? No, like what? It's, it's just, just. 
anybody who's listening to this that has OCD knows what I'm talking about. I How mean, it can, it can, your OCD? It, it, it's, it's still very severe. I can spend entire days thinking about one thing with the inability to change gears whatsoever. And, and, and I've gotten better. I've learned to cope by way of allowing myself to be okay with whatever thought it is, is dark or fucked up or weird as it is, which is the true answer to obsession is, is letting it happen. Just being like, okay, cool. Like, let it go. Whatever. You know, there's a, there's, there's a bunch of subtypes of OCD. There's a subtype of OCD called ROCD, which is relationship obsessive compulsive disorder. And basically what that says is I'm going to spend every waking second of my day thinking about what is right, wrong, good, bad, whatever about my partner right. to a point Picking that it, it to a point that it drives me insane. And the relationship can't and the relationship it. can't sustain it because there's so much friction. There's so much if you've ever if anybody listening to this has ever laid in bed and and had to cuddle with someone, someone that they love or f have strong feelings for not a not a hookup, but someone that they really care about and felt such a burning need to run to run away as quick as possible, it's a very frustrating fucking thing. Of course. Especially when it's with someone who- You love. Who not only you love or care about, but has exhibited every sign of an incredible partner. Right. Hasn't given you any reason to feel like that. And there's a lot of reasons why men feel like that, or, or women. It could be, you know, intimacy problems. It could be problems with commitment, which is a big one for men. But for me, I, I get so stuck in my mind. I get so stuck in this cycle of thoughts and this problematic thinking that I just can't, I need to, I need to isolate sometimes. Well, it's almost like you see the problems in yourself and your partner, the stuff that you don't like about yourself and you don't put Projection, it there. Reflection, reflection. They become your mirror and then you're like, fuck. And then you're alone. And it's like, what did I lose or what didn't I get? But I think like, honestly, I've had a lot of obsessive compulsive shit and, and I didn't get out of addiction in the same, you know, time frame that you did. I was much older and I had a kid, you know what I mean? And, and things were different, different by the time yeah. I got out. Yeah. But I, I mean, I like fell sucker to the, the spiritual solution. Like I found that I, if I did this fucking thing, the way they told me to do it, the shit would be lifted. And I feel like it is. I'm open to it. I, I, I would, I, you know, I did my 90-90. I would consider going back to it. I'm At this point, I finally reached a point where I am getting a little bit of a, a lull in workflow that I can, I can turn on my workflow and turn it off whenever I want. Of course made you can. I've made money. I've, yeah, I've, I've you're an made entrepreneur. a name for myself, right? You do whatever you want. It's so amazing. I, so I can, I think I can, I think I can focus on my mental health a little bit. I, I not, like, not only that, but I have to, I have to. You dude. don't have to though. You know, you don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. I can continue you, doing this for sure. But I think the, the cool thing is that it's like, wait, maybe I want to. And then also it doesn't matter what's been. All that matters is what you decide you you want to do. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. And, and that goes for the relationships too. Maybe it wasn't right. You know, maybe the one that pops up, it will be right. So that's so that's something I get solace from. I get solace from the idea that some of these partners just probably just weren't right. The, they the weren't work. right because right. you're not with them. Correct. You're going to be with the person that you're meant to be with. Shit didn't go wrong. 
shit is as it is. This it's is just the, going right over a longer period of time. This is the fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, if yeah, it yeah. happens, it's happening. Right. There's no sense in looking back and being like, Ugh, especially in your situation. I don't. That's one thing I'm grateful for. I don't. I'm not a regretter. I don't. How could you, you know what you they know? say? You know what they say, and this is a very good explanation of me as a person. People with depression spend a lot of time focusing on regret and and past mistakes. Chemical imbalance comes into it. There's a lot of parts that make up depression, which is why motherfuckers, depression is real. Mental illness is real. Anxiety is real. OCD is real. You're not going to wish it away. You're not going to think it away. These are real things that come with imbalance, come with past trauma, come with subconscious, come from lack of X, Y, and Z, come from medical illness. These are proven by science and I will not spit in the face of it and, and agree that this is something that is by way of bitch made males. Like we're not fucking, we're not in the 1200s. Let's come back to the fucking gear we're in and rely on the science of the situation. People are fucking sick. Here's the good news and where my beliefs overlap with theirs. We can get better. Of course. That can happen through, through, through exercise, through, you know, clean lifestyle, through, through eating properly, through talk therapy, through CBT, through all of that stuff, all of those things. So that's the fucking good news, but it is real. Right. And so you were talking about depressants, regret, look in the rear view a lot and anxious people spend all of their time thinking about things that are going to go wrong in the future. I skew all the way so to the what, front so, okay, side. So what, what could go wrong? Dude, you remember, what you remember what it's like to be an addict. You're always yeah. waiting. Yes. You're for, always for waiting wrong. for yeah. it to go wrong. Yes. And that's one of the traumas that I haven't properly processed. Right. Is the idea that like, and I don't know if this is what's affecting me. I don't know if this is what's affecting my relationship, but when is the girl going to go fuck your heroin dealer to get heroin because she's sick and you can't get it for her? When is that door getting broken down again the by the DEA right, 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 and you right. have to go back and you have to sit in front of federal investigators? When is your mom watching you get taken out of the house in handcuffs or giving you a pillow because you have to leave because people are trying to break into the house for money you owe them and she's worried for your little sister's safety? When is all that going to happen again? But does it become when is my show going to fail? When, are when people is gonna my show going to When are fail? people finally going to realize I'm no good? Fall off? Right. When are people going to see that? I'm right, useless. Right. When when am I gonna? When is the fucking plane gonna fucking right, go down? Right, right, you right. know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah, that's that's generalized anxiety yeah, disorder yeah, 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 yeah. with a side dish of OCD. You right. know what I'm saying? I can't remember the last time where I sat with someone and had a conversation and felt comfortable. Wow, I'm I feel comfortable with you right now. That's Kudos, good. by the way. And by the way, thank, thank you. Good, yeah, that's good. Why, like, that's rare. Thank that's you. Good. Yeah. That's but like how often am I sitting at a coffee shop surrounded by people and not being a part and of not it. feeling just completely uncomfortable, but just, dude, just uncomfortable in, in, in all of it. But just, a bit of your brand, right? Is this cool group. We're chilling. We're hanging out. We're, we're comfortable. Isn't that ironic that a bunch of your brand is just being comfortable with these people in these situations? It's fucked up because it's the it's the greatest uh, illusion, illusion catch twenty two and and level of confusion for those people like Logan for example. It's like, what do you mean when you say you feel these things? Because I watch you. 
Like Logan will tell, like I've seen now, now I love the kid. He's just never been an understander of, of mental illness, right? He's, he's an extremely strong mental individual. So when I started telling him like, dude, I got to walk off set right now because I'm having a panic attack. He's like, bro, nothing even happened. No one was even talking to you. My panic attacks were happening when I was off camera and everybody else was talking. I would have a, I would have a full fucking meltdown and have to leave. How do you explain that to someone who's in the right headspace, what it's like to feel fucked up for no reason? You know what I'm saying? It's just really. He can't understand because he wasn't in that situation. For sure. And, and by the way, God bless every person who hasn't had that hasn't had to deal with that. That's on the, I, the last three pages of the fifth vital four to five pages are the most important things that I've ever written in my life. And I promise you, if I put up book two, three movies, whatever, I will never make a more important work than what I'm about to describe to you. I wrote a letter to people who have never suffered from mental illness and substance abuse, to the family members and right. caretakers of people and to the sufferers themselves. And I remember writing it and crying my eyes out for, for hours. And I called my fucking publisher and I said, you do not touch this. And I mean, you don't line edit it. You don't subject matter edit it. You don't proofread it. Just this it. is my shit. Right. The entire fucking afterthought chapter, don't touch it. Because I knew that what I just put down had to be preserved was going to be the most impactful thing that I ever did. And in that, there's a letter that I write to people who have never dealt with what we deal with. And I said, may you take heed, you know, or, or understand the blessing that you have been bestowed in your life. And more importantly, may you use that light to radiate upon the lives of those who are less fortunate and who need that light in their own lives, right? Service. It's the spirit of service. For sure. And just to tack onto that, the service is the one thing that has ever made me feel fucking good. Well, that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing all the time. You know, that's that's the thing. Where do the the, the big beefs and, and publicized disputes with Logan even come from? You mean between me and him? Yeah. Like, there's like, been a few of them. You know, I mean, there's been a few of them. I mean, we've gotten into to some stuff just over. I don't know if you've noticed it yet or if your audience has noticed it yet, but I like to talk. I've gotten pretty good at talking about the right things and some and keeping some of the wrong and he's things like, out. just stop talking let me talk no 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 no. i've gone on other people's shows and just said stuff that maybe i shouldn't have about him. you know yeah i, I what's I, the worst what's the well, worst thing you said that he got i historically about. called him a dick rider one time for uh like left-leaning issues there was this time when we had uh we were talking about harry styles wearing a dress and he had made some comments about you know the empowerment of he liked it my daughter lives for Harry Styles. Great. Harry Styles is an incredible artist. I'm incredible not, I, I have artist. no, I have, no, 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 I have and, very and, little opinion about yeah, it. Yeah, he's a great artist. I personally don't listen to him. And, he and lives nor do in I my house. Fuck what, he yeah. lives in my house in a major position is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know he wore dresses. He wore a dress on the cover of Rolling Stone. And I had made that comment and I listened to it ironically yesterday because someone had posted about it, like some fan posted a, a recap replay of it. And I was like, damn, like, I was way out of line. What did you say? I I just said, you know, he has a he has a propensity to be a dick rider on certain issues. And it's and like listen, like saying it in jest, and by the way, saying it in front of the person, completely different. Cause right. cause anybody who watches Impulsive knows I'll say anything about Logan in front of him. And he and knows that's you. and and by the way, vice versa. Right. He says horrible. We we very dark. We say fucked up shit to each other. But that one in the presence of his enemies, by the way, I was on the show of one of his 
enemies and it had said it and it just it, i thought i had delivered it the right way it was delivered very poorly and it created a major rift for us but we've how'd you fix it we're we're me and him are bonded bro we're we're actual brothers and and you know like we're both we're both a bit uh we're let's just say we're both works in progress in our individual lives but our relationship is uh is a very special one and and we know that uh, both of us know that the value to each other is is massive, you know, and so we, we we really are brothers and brothers fight. Brothers fight. They punch each other in the face. They they get fucked up. Have you ever really fought with him? It's been close. It's been real close. Luckily, he's never struck me because he's got he's pretty strong. Has he always been like a fighter like that? Always since day one. All right. It, it, he's he's gotten better in knowing when not to fight on stuff. He's gotten better in knowing when to listen to people who are older, people who are wiser on certain topics. Um, he'll still present pushback when needed, but if it's really, it's really been me, Jeff, and him for about seven years now. You know, it's 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 like a bit of like a council. Um, I'm left out on Prime, but you know, that's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes. Do I feel like I should be a part of the project by way of the work that I have put into getting? Helping the shit. Why? To get why there. weren't you in that? Uh, it's a very small cap table. Just doesn't have any outside of involvement. I mean, KSI's got similar people on his side that could potentially make a a vouch for a little bit of action. I I, I thoroughly believe that I should. But you know, I mean, it's it's the deci their decision to make, and you know, I was I was not included in it, and I'll I'll still promote it. I'm still extreme. I'm still promoted more than anyone. Well, you're Loyalty. in it. You're in it even if you're not in it. You know what I mean? You're in it by proxy. From what I, what I understand, I will be made whole. You know, but I just don't have any paper. paper I hear. Equity. No, I hear you. <laughs> um, were you amazed that he could be a fighter, like for real? No, he's the most athletic person I've ever met in my life. So it doesn't didn't surprise. Nah, you. nothing surprises me with him, dude. He's he's that kid is a he's a phenom, a multi-platformed phenom, and and now I feel like by way of WWE and boxing and prime it's like if you look at logan paul and say to yourself like this kid's xyz and try to discount or detract from his his greatness like you're lying to yourself like you you no, you, it's undeniable you can you can not like him you can not like him by way of jealousy by way of if you think he's a douchebag you think he's or annoying think he's or cliche, whatever. whatever i don't give a shit about that but at least be at least be realistic enough to acknowledge his what impact. he is doing and well, the impact. But I mean, had. but your, yours as well. It's like people talk about content creators in a different lane than an artist or an athlete or whatever, but it's just new. You know, you yeah. guys are proving it. You're proving it. It's I still have happening. a lot of trouble with with um, that your value. Yeah, the book helped. The book helped. Well, the book the podcast. The podcast helps. We have great conversations with great guests, and I think we cover. I think as long as I do my night shift episodes, it's just so unscripted and like fun. But but like for example, we had these two guys on on Impulsive last week, the Raka Raka brothers, Danny and Michael uh, Philippu from Australia. These kids were making these very costly YouTube videos for years, and they kept getting banned. They're like these horrific Ronald McDonald's got a knife and he's stabbing the kids, like real dark fucked up shit. But they were always the best, right? Well couple years ago they come to logan's house they're like living there danny especially is writing this script and we're you know i'm writing my book and we're both looking at each other like, what the fuck is this guy writing what the fuck is this guy who some dumb bullshit well obviously you know what the book did right so i ended up proving myself but i didn't know what he was doing so i so i i'm at sundance this year he runs up to my car while i'm driving down the street knocks on the window he goes 
my movie, my script got picked up by A24. Amazing. It is called Talk to Me. It's a horror movie, which just did 20 million dollars opening weekend the biggest release since hereditary for a 24 96 percent on rotten tomatoes one of the greatest horror movies i've ever seen in my life the youtube community by way of creative and audience size is very very capable and so so i've started to i've started to move away from my like i'm an influencer like that feeling of it being a joke to like okay if you don't want to be looked at like that, what are you going to do next to make people actually really respect your fucking craft? Oh, dude, writing writing the, the book, book was is massive. The shows are massive. But it's exciting because the potential is out of hand. Dopey YouTube is so nothing. Nobody will watch me on YouTube. Maybe the, maybe I'll put this on YouTube. Which makes no sense because the, the I, fucking I conversations know. are incredible. I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm doing something wrong. I'm doing Let me say wrong. this to that before you before you close that off and move on to something else. You're doing something so right for the people who are listening to this. Imagine if Mr. Beast puts out a video. I got stuck. Sorry to spit all over you. I, didn't, I, got, I didn't even notice. I got stuck on a boat for seven days and it does 50 million views in 24 hours. 50 million, the most viewed in 24 hours in YouTube history. This just happened. And 50 million people across the world say, hmm. That's what it would be like to poop in a bucket on a boat. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Cool, man. I get it. I, by the way, I'm j- I envious. Like, awesome, dude. Amazing. Like, you're it's so sick. And by the way, Mr. Beast is an incredible creator, the biggest in the world. Hats off to him. If you're a, so, t- so talented and clever. Incredible. Yeah. If your podcast episode gets 16,000 views on it, right? And 16,000 people walk away from it and say, my life is eternally impacted and shifted by what I just listened to. Who is to say that his 50 million people who watch them poop in a bucket is more worthy than the 16,000 lives that you have affected through the storytelling on the Dopey Podcast. Because I know I know you think I'm like St. David and like want to be the spiritual no, giant. No, I know you're not. I want to be like fucking famous <laughs> and fucking all this shit. I want I want Wagyu beef and Dave Chappelle and shit. I want that Katz's stuff. Katz's pastrami is just oh, as good. Oh, stop it. If I took you to Katz's and you watched the way everyone in that store shit on me, one person after another, you would it would be the best. You would you would love it. One it's day. all over. It's all overrated. It's all fucking overrated. Wagyu beef has too much fat content. So you does get the sick of it. Oh it fucks God. up your stomach. Private jets. You're better off in a con. You're better off in economy because there's a place to put your feet under the seat in front of you. Jets crash. Fucking. Uh, there's no love in the industry. More money, more problems. Uh, 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 Dave Chappelle. 53% to taxes. On, Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle, That's there's nothing not bad I could say yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. That was the sickest thing it's ever happened. But let me tell you what. All that shit ain't as fucking glamorous as it seems, okay? Because guess what happens? You spend 10 years pretending to be someone to make millions of dollars to live in a big house. You wake up one morning. You realize that you didn't talk to your fucking – this isn't me. This could never be me. You didn't talk to your mother. You didn't talk to your father. I know. You're very you connected to your family. I talk to my family every single fucking day. But you, you neglected your friends. And now you're 52 years old. You made millions of dollars and you have nothing. 
Now, now, how do you put that up against somebody like you who's made an impact, who sees their father every day, who still stays in their community, who helps people, who, who, who is connected, who is, you know, who is happy, who is deep most, down most potentially, of the time, most of right? The time. Yeah, most or of at peace somewhat. Well, some here and there. Not always. But so, I yeah, a- it's cool to hang out with Dave Chappelle. Listen, but like, I hear you. I appreciate it. I just want to make sure you know that. Bro. I pr- listen. I cannot tell you that I don't appreciate it. It makes me feel good. I appreciate <laughs> okay. it. I really do. Okay. Uh, your sister says you only fuck whores. Is this true? <laughs> um. So, so it's untrue by way of what of the story I just told. You know, before yes. I, 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 this, this last girl I was talking to, incredible, the exact opposite, incredible, incredible girl. You know, just, just very low key, didn't desire anything, but, but. You know, time why did your sister say that? Because we say a lot of stuff for for views, right? That's good. You know, my That's sister, one, my right? sister is not that far off from me. She could fit right into the puzzle, dude. She's she's entertaining. She's funny. She could have her own podcast. I think she's very very smart. I might do a podcast with her, but um, no, I I there was a time when that was the case. I've grown sick of it. I've grown sick of casual sex have you yes have you makes me sick the the phrase you used last time you were on dopey which was probably like three years ago nothing changed no no you said you said my we were talking about lana and you were talking about your body count how high it was and i can't imagine the body count at this point god damn are you dulled to it are you i mean like the threesomes in the jacuzzi are you dulled to it uh be honest. Yeah, I think that's the problem with Hollywood is that you 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 can I'm not you know not me personally, but maybe you can start to lose interest in something that becomes so easy. Like you see this happen to a lot of people. I mean, I can really relate to that. Because it, it can come so easily for me. Are you talking about pastrami? Yeah, no, I'm talking about three sons <laughs> in hot tubs. It's all no, it's, it's so, all the time. So so like is it wrong? Let me, let me, but let me say this. Let me say this though. You can have every three-way in the world. You can fuck every porn star in the world. You can do all this crazy underwater, mile high club, nothing on faces, like all that shit, right? And on girl number, you know, 2600, yeah. right? You may say to yourself, holy shit, like I haven't enjoyed doing this in fucking five years right and then you can have sex you can you can wait you can take a break you can meet a girl get to know her and have sex with one person that you love and your mind is blown and you are on another fucking planet it you you your dick has sensation again you actually you just got hard without a blue chew or 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 or, or, you know what i'm saying like you actually once again, understand what it's like to have sex with a person that you actually have a connection to, right? Like this is disgusting. Like the, the only reason we can have this discussion and people can understand is because we're, we're, I'm talking to people who have injected heroin into their veins and they understand what it's like to be a fucking sicko, right? But like, yes, like bro, <laughs> the idea of just sticking your cock into someone, right? That you just met sometimes, I mean, 30 seconds earlier and you're in a bathroom at a, right. at, you know, Riley Reed's birthday party, having a threesome on a toilet. Right. right. Which sounds thrilling. It's thrilling. It's right? thrilling. Like, never I'm happened sh- to me. Dude. But, okay. But like, yes. Yes. But to like, some, some other creator. Yes. But like, but like that loses its appeal and all you ever, and, and, and you end up getting to a point where you just hope that you could have sex with someone that you have a connection to, you know? And I know it's, it's so funny because the grass is always greener. There's no. someone in a there's someone in a committed relationship right now in a marriage that is like 
dude, like what he's talking about sounds so fun. Yeah, there is someone in a committed relationship that would say that. Yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely. But it's not, bro. But then I look at the person in the marriage and I'm like, wow, they wake up every day. They get to, you know, kiss their kid and send them to school. They get to get in the car and, and go to work with their wife, drops them off and they have coffee together and they talk about, you know, whatever they talk about that morning and they, and they think about a vacation that they're going to take together and it's meaningful. It means something. Well, it's ups and downs. We'll say that yeah. there's definitely ups and downs. Yeah. We've been going through it in my house lately. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but dude, I appreciate what your point is. Your point is that there's a power to love that you, you crave. You crave that connection. You crave like all this fucking surface shit to not necessarily be everything. But I'm sure you're fearful of, of giving up the surface shit, giving up the incredibly exciting and lusty and spontaneous and crazy far out shit because the second you get into the committed thing, you kind of have to stay there. Were you scared to put the needle down? Yeah, I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to. Do you I didn't know what I'm to. saying? Like, bro, the shit we're talking about is just like any other addiction. Like, so what? So that's interesting. Well, okay. it brings us back full circle to your questions about like, you know, like mental illness about, about like how you navigate the wildness, right? It's like, it's like, yeah, like all that shit's addictive, all that shit's dopamine. Dopamine, dopamine, dopamine. And you can have it, you can have it as long as you want. If you're especially if you especially if you're safe about it, especially if you're, you know, if you follow all the rules, which you know, obviously I do, especially if you're X, Y, and Z, you can live comfortably in that excess for quite some time. But at what point do you desert it in the hopes that there's something out there that has true meaning to it, that has true and I bet you the fear is that you never find the true meaning or it isn't good enough or it's interesting. I think you're in a very exciting place. I think you're in a very exciting place. No matter. You use that word. No, it's very exciting. <laughs> it is. It is. It because is. like you've cultivated this life and this career and you're like, maybe I would feel better if I did this and maybe this shit doesn't feel that good, but you're open to, to change and you're open to the next thing and you recognize what you've done and dude you've lived fucking a hundred lives so many and it's fucking <laughs> awesome you know and it's like i mean there's this thing that i heard at a 12-step meeting that i've been trying to live in and i i don't live in it but i've been trying to live in it he says when he's working a good program his life goes into one of two buckets acceptance or gratitude nothing else no fucking lust no jealousy no envy either I accept that or I'm grateful for that. So important. And that's like so the aspiration. Important, that's dude. my aspiration. And yeah. it's very hard to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I mean that, that gratitude as a bucket is like, so it's so apparently obvious. And so many people have already like claimed and, and told you that that is what you need to root your life in, in just waking up every day and just knowing that like, you're not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be here. There's people Obviously, this audience knows, and you know better than anyone, there's people that didn't make it. Sure. There's people that we lost along the way. And what those people would do to wake up and to, and to have to deal with anxiety over how they feel while they're partying with Dave Chappelle or eating Wagyu. Or, or threesoming or, at Riley Reid, or, 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 you know, or even the more real things like hoping for a better relationship with a girl or hoping for more time with the family or whatever, Right. What they would give up to just be in your uncomfortable, you know, semi, you know, uh, anxious place 
is what you need to be grateful for, that you actually get to wake up, breathe air, have a roof over your head, have something to eat. Have potential. And have potential in this life. Like, honestly, like, if, if you, you're so right, and it's obviously the biggest lesson that we get out of, out of 12 Steps, out of life in general, is like, dude, you gotta just thank whoever you call God, whatever you call God, every single day for the fact that you're still here. And if you rule yourself in that, you really can't go wrong. And dude, but if things don't go the way you want to, to accept it, yep. like, like you're here because that's how it went. You're in your spot because that's how it went, good and bad. And when shit is bad, if you can accept it, things are okay. It's when you can accept it that shit goes weird. It's that forcing. Now, are you ready for Claire's question? Yeah, of course I am. Claire is a 21-year-old young woman from Canada. She was an intern. She was the intern. Now she's the, pro- the producer, the associate producer. She's something. Claire's got, she doesn't want to be called an intern anymore. So it's associate producer Claire. She's brilliant. She created our dopey filter on Instagram oh, yeah. for I've Dopey used it. Day. Used it, remember? Yes. yes, I do. And, and August 16th is Dopey Day again. I'll so use it again. That's good. Okay. Wait, well, this won't be out yet, obviously. I don't know. Because I, I could promote it. I don't, I Dude, don't my know. teeth look great in this light. I want to say shout out to my dentist and orthodontist along the way. Your teeth I, look really good. Well, so I'll, I'll, if this video is going out, I'll show Dolly Nation. The whole back there is all gone from crack and methadone. The back uh, left side of my mouth is rotted out. I got no teeth on that side. They told me I need three implants otherwise the top ones are going to come down couldn't you do a video for some dentist and get free teeth of course so i get anything you're gonna free. do it i'm going to prolong ignore you don't want to get in that chair no not at all that's not what it is i'm just i just i bro i have a fully arthritic ankle with with 20 screws and two plates in it that has no cartilage when i get up from this chair every step i take for the rest of the day will be 10 out of 10 pain all i have to do is go get it taken care of i have money i've got doctors i have everything I'm a true and true addict, ignoring, procrastinating moron. You should call, you should call me. I will help you. If you, you want to be my life coach, I don't know about that, <laughs> but I would. If if you call me, I would help. You. I okay. believe that. I, believe I know that. you know. That. I know that. Okay. So okay, you ready for yeah. fucking Claire's questions? Yeah. All right. Okay. First question is: Are you a pimp? I have never in my entire existence paid money, <laughs> accepted money paid someone to hang out there's never a pimp i feel like have you has, ever pimped anyone out absolutely not how could claire claire how no could no no, no. i question? love that question okay. i love that question let me let me let me tack on this quickly and we could rapid fire them i just girls love hanging out with me i'm very high energy i i could do a whole i could do a whole podcast just on relationships not real relationships not long-term meaningful but like surface level relationships that lead to casual fun I could do a podcast on that and and teach the masses in a second. I just don't really know if it's the greatest lesson. If that's going to help anybody. Yeah. But I think it will help a lot of people. Actually. Guys, all guys. They could really benefit from that. Make girls laugh. Don't fucking press it. Don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, like make them feel comfortable at all times. And also balance the, the playful shit talking with just regular comedy. Like, dude, like. If you can get to a point with a girl where you're, you're able to poke like little jabs at them, nothing mean, don't ever be fucking mean or rude to a female. Don't you ever put your fucking hands on a female regardless. But but like the idea that you can make like little pokes at them, their hair gets fucked up, they got a funny sock problem, shit like that. Girls love that type of energy. That if was can, not Claire's question. Uh, Claire's question is, are you a pimp? And the no, answer is the answer no. Is no, I'm sorry. Okay, now, now it gets kind of crazy. You answered the next question. Do you pay for sex with women to... Oh, no, this is a different question. Do you pay for sex with women to pose with him on Instagram? 
I have never in my life talked to Claire. Talk to Claire. Claire. She was or, very excited that well, you no, were No, but maybe over. it's questions from a, from someone else. I've never once in my life paid a woman to do anything. There's there's there, there's a symbiotic balance between clout receive, clout given. If you want to talk about, you know, always oh, got followers and some might go to them. That at its at its at the highest level, but more than anything, if I turned all the cameras off, never posted. If you come see me tonight at 9:30 at Sake Nohana, the Tao spot, I will be with a table of eight to ten girls. Absolutely nothing in it for them. Same thing, they'll maybe eat free by way of somebody else, but I will hang out with them all night. I've always just been very good. Will at you have sex with all eight of them? I will not have sex with any of the, the girls tonight. Okay. I can say that wholeheartedly because I've just been on a different path. Lately. Now, this is a hardcore question. Yep. Ready? Without saying names, this is a fucked up clerical uh, question. It doesn't matter. Okay. Without saying fuck. any names, do you know of any famous YouTuber that's secretly gay? And then she wrote Jake Paul in question in quote in, in parentheses. I don't think Jake Paul is gay. Um, he's got a he's got a serious girlfriend now, and they're quite serious. Um, yeah, Claire, how yeah. could you how could you make such a question no? There's like I don't. What is it about Jake Paul specifically? His is is it his style of dress? Like I don't, I don't, I don't I you know no what I'm saying? I don't know. I don't know what it is. He's he's he's. It doesn't seem like it from from where so I'm saying. No to Jake Paul. No to Jake Paul. Famous yeah, yeah. Mr. Beast. Uh, no, gay? Mr. Beast has a girlfriend. I okay. don't think he is. But there's definitely there's definitely influencers who are who Closeted. are fucking dudes behind the scenes. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. There absolutely. You go. And you don't say any names. Uh, I think he does manage. Only, do you do you manage OnlyFans? Absolutely girls? not. I've never met. Uh, let's talk about this really quick, quickly. Because it's an important topic and it yes. goes back to what we were talking about earlier yes. about uh, about responsibility of platform. I hang out with girls. I have always tried to humanize girls who work in the sex space. Come on. We're not going to talk about blowjobs. We're not going to talk about anal like a lot of podcasts want to do. They want to exploit. They want to create content based on that. What's, what's your favorite food? What do you think about this cheeseburger? Let's go on a trip somewhere and and jump off a, 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 a exactly a building. We're going to bungee jump together, right? My my intent was never to promote sex. I understand that sex is dangerous. I understand that porn is dangerous. I understand that masturbation can become dangerous. So I've never, I could have become potentially the biggest male only fan star in the world, hands down, just by way of creating my own content, whether it be porn, whether Did you it be ever whatever. Consider it? Of course, I could have made tens of millions of dollars a year, tens of millions of dollars Why didn't a year. You do it? Because Too I much. have a moral responsibility. I am. I ha, I, am I think a, you were protecting I, I, yourself. No, um, I'm a Christian. I have a moral responsibility to my audience to not promote that type of stuff in that way. I am extremely well endowed. I ha, am extremely fucking good in the bedroom. I have content to back that up. I will never sell that content. I will never promote that type of activity. I think that that industry is disgusting by way of the people that run it at the girls themselves. That's fine. I, I have, I'm nothing to say about that. Well, I'm um, sure you've seen a lot of people get hurt through that industry. In, incredibly emotionally, physically. How, how well can it go when a video is seen 10 million times for free in that situation? It seems fun at the time until they realize that they don't want it on the internet anymore and they can never get it taken down. Yeah. It must it's, be very it's hard. The worst uh, pill that you will ever have to swallow. So I do not promote that industry. I will never manage an OnlyFans girl. I will never be a part of a, of an OnlyFans promotion. And I think you just answered the last question. Is there a Mike Malak sex tape? And how much money does he think he can make if he re released it? There's infinite money. There's 
There see, is a, there yeah, is see, a tape. There is a tape. There's, there's many tapes. Numbers of tapes. There's, there's, there's volumes. Tapes. Volumes. But, but, but it's only for home viewing. Uh-oh. To say to say that there's no number would be crazy. I, I, I'd like to say that if somebody came up to me and said, "Y'all give you two hundred fifty million dollars to put out a f- fucking Lana tape, right, or a Emily Willis t- or whatever, right?" Like that, I would say no. But I probably would say, "Okay, I'm going to." dedicate 50 million of this to Charity. addiction relief. Right, 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 right. I'm going to somehow find a way to, to, to be able to swallow this pill. Right, so right, what right, is right, the right. number for it? I don't know, but I'll tell you this much. The number that someone would reasonably be willing to offer for it isn't high enough to get me to sell it. So like if they came and said, oh, we're going to give you $2 million, like go fuck yourself, right? Like, no. But like, yeah, some heinous number that I could actually then infuse good back into the world with. Uh, yeah, maybe. Well, there it is. I think that was an amazing answer. <laughs> I think you've been beyond generous. It is so good to have you at my dad's house. Is there anything do you think we've left unsaid? Uh, 10, 10 burgers. Oh, uh, fucking 10, 10 nah, nah, burgers. But it's all right. I, no, no, you're living this dream. Yeah. Cause I love food, bro. Yeah. I love food. I've been obsessed with food since 10, since 10 burgers is on my list too. You, you gotta, you gotta try it. 10, so I'm 10 doing, burgers is doing a pop-up in New Haven, Connecticut this weekend. How long is it open? They're going to miss it. I I'm know. Sure, unless you get it out. It's, it's 11, 12, 13 in New Haven of August. Uh, by the time you see this, it'll have already passed. I've dumped my life uh, recently into, into the brand, into creating this product, which I really do believe is one of the best fast casual burgers in the world. Um, hopefully what makes a, a perfect cheeseburger? Um, you want the real answer? Yeah. The consistency in which it creates in your mouth. Meaning when you've chewed it six times, what is what is in your mouth at that moment? I think the the masters of that have been Shake Shack. I think a potato bun. I never bun, even had a cheeseburger. I think Shake a potato Shack. bun at Shake Shack, the cheese at Shake Shack, the Shack sauce is a very beautiful concoction that that really helped me and pushed me towards getting into the burger space in general and then formulating what I think creates a wonderful consistency. Salty, curly fries on the side. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to, to, to run this brand. And I think in the next you know year, we should have like three to five locations open. It just takes a little bit of time. So hold on. On your quest yeah. to find the perfect cheeseburger, which I am in awe of, Shake Shack is the greatest cheeseburger you've had. No, somewhere? no, no. What's the greatest cheeseburger on the uh, cheeseburger quest? So my, so my quest only covers moderate speed burgers, meaning burgers that you can buy at a counter and then walk outside with. So, so not like Fort super, Charles, right. Peter Luger's, like none of that shit is included in that. It's just fast casual. There's a burger shop in LA called uh, Burger She Wrote, which is American Wagyu smash patties on a pineapple, uh, sorry, on a, uh, a, a sweet bun, like a Hawaiian bun yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, with two slices of uh, yellow American. Uh, it's Oklahoma style. So it's got a, a bunch of fried onions on it. That's a 9.6. Pretty much as close to perfect. And, I, and I've that's, had burgers all over the world. I've Top had burgers burger. in Qatar. Burger. So she there's wrote. a burger. How she is wrote the burgers in, in Qatar? They had a decent burger there, but I've, I mean, Bert, dude, Stad, Switzerland, Spain, There's Saudi. There's a spot I don't remember in Sunnyside, Queens that me and my wife used to go to. It's an old bar. I got to, I got to find it for you. Cause send it's, me the name it's of it. fucking good. That was the best burger I think I have. Oh, had. send me the name of it. Sunnyside, Queens. I guess spot. closest thing to here in New York is you can go to 7th Street. I hate to give my competitors like a shout out now, but 7th Street's kind of like the king of fast casual in New York. 
It's which, a really uh, just Seventh Street it's Burger. Seventh Street yeah, Burger. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it. gotten pretty big on social media. I think I only gave it like an eight four, an eight five. It was it was it's fantastic, but it's not as high as my other spots. And the ten ten burger is based on your rating, rating of burgers. Ten and out you're of like, 10. you've when you started the burger quest in your head, were you like, I need to figure out how I'm gonna do my Absolutely thing? Absolutely not. Okay. No, I was just having fun. And then as you went from years spot later, spot, I was like, dude, I know what the best burger looks and tastes like. So I'm just going to make it. And I found a chef in LA that was capable and we created a burger. That's perfect combination of, you know, smash, beautiful, thin smash patties, two slices of American cheese, potato bun, uh, our like own house made sauce, pickles and uh, semi caramelized chopped onions with curly fries on the side. It's incredible. What's, what's the sauce? It's, it's just a secret, like house made sauce. It's it's a burger sauce. It's a burger sauce, like that yellow Russian type burger sauce. But it's just got a little some tweaks. You know, when I used to wait tables in uh, in Katz's, the burgers at Katz's are terrible, by the way. <laughs> like the the girl in the trailer orders the chili burger. <laughs> well, but the burgers at Katz's are really not good. But what we would do is we'd have them cut juicy corned beef, and we and then we do Swiss. And American on the burger and then Ooh. the juicy corn beef. Ooh. And the juicy corn beef on the cheeseburger is like fucking it would like save it. Basically. It's next level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wish we could somehow come up with some kind of collab Brother, on the 10 out of 10. If you don't think that I would do a 10-10 cats collab, oh my God. Oh my God, dude. I can't there's make a these okay. Happen. No, yes, you can. Listen to me. There's a festival in LA called Family Style Fest where Food vendors have collaborations. Okay. If we did a 10, 10 times cats collab at that, not only would it be massive for cats, cats is deli, but it would be massive for me from a credibility standpoint. I 100% think we should pitch this to cats's. Okay. It's in I have, LA. I have a very direct channel. Dude. I have a very direct LA channel. in October. There. Tell them if they want their social media you game. You know, we're get, in. They don't care about social media. Which I, I, I run, understand. I run their But I understand that terrible. because you guys are so credible and just so verified, like, greatness. We're doing something there in October in LA, though. So we're going to be in LA in October. So this is not impossible. Oh, so maybe it's that that you're already doing. But I don't think, I don't know it who might we're collabing be. Big, with. No, no, but you might just have your own thing. But maybe if we're there. We can, sli- we can slide a little more. No, but if you're over. doing something else, then you'd want to do that. Find out what it is, but something to Family Style Fest is the big food thing, and I, it's a very big street festival in, What's in the LA. Dates? It's October like 8th or something. Yeah, like we're, that. we're going So you're already going to be there. Yeah. But maybe we can figure something out. It would be sick. Why don't we, t- if you're going to be that, okay, why don't we talk about this offline and figure out what it is? Yeah. And then the second thing is, um, yeah, I'm sorry. No, that was a t- no, was a no but I'm happy we had it. Is, uh, the second thing is Mike's Bikes. I think What's I, up with fucking yeah, Mike's yeah, bikes? Yeah. I didn't want to bring it up. So the, the so the uh, no, it's fine. I'm ashamed of myself. So the no, the, the website is 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 registered. Uh, 513C is is going to be created under an umbrella in the next two weeks. Uh, I have to send the first ten thousand dollars personally to get everything off the ground, and we should have some semblance of Mike's bikes in the next three months, maybe. So basically, uh, for anybody who doesn't remember episode one, Mike's bikes. Is uh, I, I found solace in in riding a bicycle after I got clean. You lost like a hundred pounds. Lost a hundred pounds. Uh, got it made me more mentally healthy, and it, it got me to a better place in life. And I want to be able to bestow that same wonder empowerment, empowerment to other addicts who are in, in in recovery. So we're going to be focused on raising money and and taking donations of bicycles, helmets, locks to give out to other addicts in recovery who need to get to meetings, who need to get to job interviews, and who need to clear their mind by getting out and getting physically fit, um, as well as raising money to put people through rehab that can't afford well, it. Well, our 501c3 is up and running. 
The Dopey oh, Foundation. So I want to shame you a little Damn bit more. It. Shout out Dopey Foundation. Our shit is up and running. DopeyCon is happening on October 7th on this street, right over there. If you could come. Wait, but Cats is in. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to Cats. I'm not yeah. going to Cats. I'm not going to I'm doing Dopey. Wait, so I would need to come here yes. quickly. Yeah. Yes. Let's see what happens. That seems like a lot. Cats is, is catering DopeyCon. I'm coming. It's big time. <laughs> I'm coming. I um, want my corned beef burger. But But it's like. We're, we're our mission is to help addicts however we can we're sending out narcan we're sending out fentanyl test strips maybe we could do something with mike spikes one day that would be sick. that would be beautiful i would love that mike malek i love you thank you thank you you say i love you too not i love you, too. you I'm sorry, I'm sorry. he's very guarded he's got no horrible, yes i have a horrible dude, boundary you know I, haven't said I, love I love you to my thank mom you. i love so you thank you dude, your mom says, you i love you mike you say thanks mom that's how you that's how you know that i have that's real the real thing i do love my no dude listen please so it's, I'm so happy you came yeah. through. This is a beautiful moment uh, for me. So thank you. Thanks for having me. And thanks for having me, Dopey Nation. And uh, like I said, it feels like I was in a therapist chair. Does it feel like that? I feel great right now. Good. I feel like you guys, just you and, and the audience. Our community. No, but like you guys helped me. Like, honestly, I feel a lot lighter than I did coming into this. And, and you have a, a very cool way of looking at things. And how could you not? after going through all the shit that you we and that we do. all in Dopey yeah. Nation have been through. And I'm rooting for all you guys listening to this. Uh, you're me, I'm you. And uh, together we can we can get through all this shit. And I love your Twitter shit, by the way. Hey, th- I've been going crazy lately. Your shit is great. I'm owning motherfuckers, dude. It's amazing. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Mike. Love you, bro. <laughs> love you too. <laughs> so that was the very controversial and probably polarizing Mike Malak. Now, the question I want to know is who does Mike Malak remind you guys of? You know who he reminds me of? Fucking Jay. Does he not remind you of fucking Jay? Are you crazy? He's like Jay if Jay didn't have to go to jail and, um, you know, got some time and is super successful, super wealthy, and and probably more well-endowed. But I love Mike Malak. And I'm incredibly grateful that he took the time to come on our little show and talk about mental health and talk about what it's like to be uh, in the maelstrom of fame and, and success and coping with mental illness and all this fucking shit. So I love that Mike Malak did it. And I love that he came to my dad's house. He called my dad Mr. Mannheim and called him sir a couple of times, which was very sweet. So before we get to Doug Bopst and the Dopey Fitness Challenge, I just want to play a Dopey voicemail. Hit you guys with a little bit of cokey Dopey. Here we go. Love the show. Big fan. Sometimes there's not enough powdered cokey Dopey. So here's a powdered cokey Dopey for you. So a friend of mine called me one night on a Saturday and he suggested that we pre-game our nightclubbing exploits uh, by going round to a coke dealer's house because he was sometimes generous and had a crowd of people there that he'd, you know, give lines out to and so forth. So we went round there, and sure enough, there was a, a collection of, um, you know, pretty girls all waiting for a line couple of dudes and the dealer was uh, life and soul the party uh, cracking jokes and wandering around with a, um, a plastic bag with about I don't know nearly half an ounce of coke in it 
and um, so everyone was definitely paying attention to what he was saying and definitely laughing very loudly to his jokes and because um, they wanted some and he was taking his sweet fucking time giving people lines and I was getting a bit fucking pissed off because the whole the whole trip seemed to be uh, sitting around waiting for a line and that's boring so anyway um, next thing he wanders in and he's sort of patting himself down and he's saying oh fuck I can't find the um, the coke and I immediately switched into uh, this sort of um, Terminator eyesight thing where it's almost like a visor came down over and my robotic I immediately started scanning the room, focused, looking everywhere with this coke, and I focused in, and there it was. It was right by the hi-fi. So you know, there's about seven or eight people in the in this very big living room and stuff like that. But anyway, so I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll crouch down, and I'll pretend to uh, put on a new CD, right? So I crouched down, and my pal's sitting opposite on, the, on a couch. So I crouched down, um, uh, put on a CD, and, and very discreetly gathered up the, um, you know, bag of Coke, uh, and put it in my pocket. And um, then I sat back down again, and um, no one saw me, but opposite me, my friend's eyes were popping out of the sockets, right? And he was looking at me like, staring at me like a, a madman. And um, I said, uh, I said to him, I looked at my watch and I said, well, I said across the room, I said, maybe we should go. And he goes, he goes, gulps and he goes, okay. So we make our excuses to leave. And I get out into my friend's car, he's driving. And he immediately says we're in the car did you fucking steal did, did you get the coke did you take that and I said yes I did and he said fuck he said how much is it and I said oh, I don't know it's about 10 grams or something like that and he goes fucking hell and I said yeah and and then I had a it flashed into my mind I suddenly said I'm giving it back and he said you can't do that you can't give it back and we're in the car outside this guy's house. And I said, yep, I'm going to give it back. And what it was, was I figured that everybody was off to go to the Limelight Club in, that evening in, in London. And being a cocaine, coke and booze asshole, I would have been sprinkling it around, being generous with it. I would have life and soul the party. And everyone would have figured out who stole the fucking coke. So I went back rang the guy's bell and said, oh, I really need the bathroom. So I, I went to the bathroom, and in the bathroom, I, um, I fashioned myself a, a wrap, and I thought, well, I, I, the fucking guy was taking his time giving lines out. I never got one, so I'm taking a fucking half gram as a finder's fee, right? Bozo. And um, so I took myself uh, half a gram, and then as I came out the toilet, I had the bag in my hand dangling, and I said, hey... I found this in the toilet. And he goes, oh my God. He said, you're a fucking hero. And he's hugging me and everything like that. And he's all thanking me. And I'm like, yeah, cool. You know, there you go. And um, so then he, um, I said, okay, well, anyway, I'm going. 
And he said, no, no, you can't leave. He said, look, look, let me give you some. And so he wraps up about half a gram and as a thank you for, for, for finding it. So, uh, yeah, I left. So I had, uh, I had two, about two half grams and, uh, everyone lived happily ever after. That voicemail was from super dopey mainstay. I don't want to say his name. He asked me to call him cocaine bear. And I just want to give some shout outs before we get to the dopey fitness challenge. I want to give a shout out to James Glennie. James Glennie is an incredible graphic designer in the UK. And he has done so many fucking sick dopey designs. He did the New York junkies design. He did the Mets. He did the fucking toodles Red Sox design. He has this beautiful page in his uh, designer portfolio just with dopey designs. He's a generous, giving, dopey, loving soul. He also came up with the idea, and I don't know what you guys think of this, that rather than calling people OG dopes, we should just call those people ODs. But I feel like that might be, you know, because everybody's ODing, you know, that might not work because they'd be original dopes, ODs. But I think we need to keep OG dopes because actual dopes that OD'd it will get confusing and, and tragic. But big shout out to James Glennie. Big shout out to Dopey associate producer, former Dopey intern Claire, who has gotten a promotion, who's kicking butt out in Canada someplace. Fucking Dopey intern Sydney for doing a beautiful job with Dopey Day. Scott motherfucking Wick for doing a super job with Dopey Day. Fucking Edward Alcacer. Super job all the time. And he also gave me some crushed ghost peppers. Super spicy. So many other dopes to mention. Not enough time. Oh, yeah. One more for Cormac. Big shout out to Cormac. Shout out to Dopey Patreon. Shout out to uh, the Dopey Facebook administrators. Who knows if they even listen anymore. What the fuck happened to those guys? Just kidding. Just kidding. I don't actually, I don't know if they listen to it anymore. I used to hear from them all the time. They are in the wind, as we like to say, out of pocket. But someone who is not out of pocket is adversity advantage host, multiple book author, fitness guru, and dopey fitness challenge meister, fucking Doug Bobst. Doug Bobst back at my dad's house, traveling for business. We thought we'd sneak in an extra pseudo dopey fitness challenge segment. Welcome back to my dad's house. Thanks for having me back, man. It's good to see you. Is it good to be back in my father's home? Always. I'm just missing your dad. Where's he at? He's, he's got a bad knee. Yeah. I wish he was here because he would complain to you a lot about it. <laughs> he's, he's, he's really worried about it. It seems like he has some multiple menisci torn, if menisci is the plural of meniscus. And how's your foot? My foot is improving. That's good. It's fucking amazing. Like, I was so sad when I couldn't walk, and now I'm walking again, and I feel better. How were you getting around before? I had a wheelchair. No, I just wasn't, <laughs> I just wasn't going anywhere. I was, just, I, I, was, I was limping. I was not walking. I was taking the subway when I don't use I, – I don't like taking the subway. I took the subway to high school. It grosses me out. Um, but before we say anything else, I just showed Doug Bobst the secret dopey documentary series reel to blow his mind – is your mind blown? Mind is blown. I'm inspired. It was very heartfelt. I feel like in a lot of it, 
it all it all encapsulates the story of Dopey very well. Between the story with you and Chris, your mission with the show, the not just the amazing guests that you've had on, but how they value you and the relationship that you built with them and i just think it's it's so it's so amazing it's exciting right it's exciting it's exciting all right enough with the real so dopey nation where i was not excited about this potential time piece now my expectations are high which means you know what that means right disappointment is around the corner a place i'm very familiar with now i just think you have to have realistic expectations and know that you know it's it looks like things are gonna work out and continue to work out but that if for, if for some reason something doesn't work out, it doesn't mean that you're a complete failure. Right. Mitigating expectations that things can be okay, even if they're not the way you want them to be. That's your jam, right? It's, it's my jam, but I think it's also because I've learned just from my own personal experience and just coaching so many people over the years that I think that specifically in recovery and fitness, like paths that people take when they think they're making the right decision for their life, which it is, they think because they're making a right decision that it's going to be an easy decision and that things are going to be simple. But I think what happens is people have these unrealistic expectations. They don't realize that life is still going to be hard when you're in recovery. Life's still going to be hard when you exercise. Life's still going to be hard if you're in a new healthy relationship right? It's just how I think what changes is how you deal with the hard. So you don't think if time sells this thing to Netflix and, and we have a show on Netflix, then my life will not be perfect, even if that happens. I feel like you'll still find something to complain about. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Um, now, before we got here, I took Doug to the legendary Hawa smoothie spot on 22nd Street. Tell them what you got. I got, was it a peanut butter blast? Is that what I got? I think it was a peanut butter punch. Peanut butter punch. Oh, it sounds so delicious just to say those words together. It was so good. I mean, I was I was starving, hadn't eaten anything all day. And, and Dave, after walking us up and down the yeah. streets of Manhattan, yeah. was yes. like, we got to go to this spot. And so I probably downed the smoothie within like three and a half minutes and probably could have easily drank two more. Wasn't every sip better than the last sip? <laughs> it was so good. And me, try, I'm trying to slim down because we have the Park City Song Summit coming up and I don't want to be the fat Jewish guy. I want to be in shape and, and svelte and together. So I got my mango, pineapple, banana, kale. What do you make of that? Too much sugar, right? No, I mean, I think it's, it's better than eating donuts. It's, Is it better than the peanut butter punch? Prob I mean, pro it's probably all the same. Really? Cal from a calories per perspective, Isn't I'm peanut sure. butter so calorically high? Well, yeah, but I think when you throw in like all that fruit and then you throw in milk and everything else, it probably... No, my shit has no milk. Oh. Your shit had milk. Oh, okay. My shit was dairy-free. Oh, My sorry. shit is just ice, mango, pineapple, banana, and I used to get spinach, but they told me kale was more healthy, so I got kale. Then yeah, yours is definitely more, was more healthy than mine. All right, good. But wasn't the peanut butter punch the fucking thing? It was amazing. That's was, the thing. Because I was craving this peanut butter, like a peanut butter acai bowl from... Uh, pliable or something like pliables the so, peanut butter acai bowl i think or so, somebody was telling me to get peanut butter my daughter gets not a healthy thing she gets the acai bowl her order is acai bowl no granola nutella which is you know about nutella of course nutella and extra coconut you are going to get the peanut butter acai bowl i think somebody was telling me to get something like that was it amy dresner don't be dressed. No, 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 no. I, I stopped by 
released recovery to meet up with Zach Clark. And then I think somebody who works with him was, I was like, I'm starving. I need to get something to eat right now or I'm going to like pass out. I kept joking, but I was that hungry and he was like, go to pliable. So I started walking there and then we connected on the phone and then we rerouted, but I'm glad we did because that smoothie was really, really good. I got to see this part of town because like I was saying to you when we were walking, I'm staying in Soho and I've been spending more time towards that side of town and well, it's, it's good to experience as much of New York as you can. And you were mentioning to me on our travels that uh, as you were preparing for an interview, you were using some face cream. What was the, <laughs> what was the story again, Doug? Oh, man. So I was getting ready to go to an interview yesterday for a consulting client of mine. And I was trying to like look as, as good as I could because, hey, I'm in New York, you know, and I had this small like tube of stuff that I thought was face cream that I got when I was in California. And so I happened to cut myself shaving a little bit and I just grabbed this tube thinking it was face cream that that would like help, you know, get rid of the cut and then like make my skin look even more, um, make my skin look better. And I put it, I covered my face in it and my face started burning and I realized it was toothpaste. Was it minty? Yeah. And I was like, ah. and it was in my eye. Cause you know, with face cream, it's like, you don't care if it gets a little bit in your eye. Cause it's like harmless for the most part. But with a toothpaste, I was like, oh, this burns. It's amazing. Yeah. And what kind of tooth, what was it called? I honestly forget. It was like a, some like, it was like a, some like organic type. So it didn't have like teeth on the packaging or anything. It wasn't a really stupid move. It was just a kind of stupid no, move. No, it's not. No, I didn't, I didn't put like a bottle of like Crest or Colgate on my face. Cause I, I, ironically, I just brushed my teeth with like Crest toothpaste or something like that. Like two minutes before that. Do you have any of the organic left for the next time you brush? Cause I bet you it's better on your teeth. I think I'm traumatized now. You're done with it. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're done with it. I'm done. So you had to wash the toothpaste out of your eyes. I had to wash my face again. And meanwhile, of course, it's like, I'm like, I got to leave in like 30 seconds, two minutes. Cause it's like, I do everything like to the last minute. I don't waste time. Thankfully, my hotel had this like body lotion that was like right next to the sink. And I just like lathered myself in that, my face in that. Listen, we all have to make mistakes in life. It's not easy for anybody. I'm happy though, that we've benefited from your mistake of putting toothpaste <laughs> all over your face. I think that is very special. I want to talk about two things. First, I want to get back. See, when we were doing Dopey Fitness Challenge last, I was fucking on the beam. I was drinking a lot of water. I was fucking grilling chicken. I was eating my protein and I was cutting back on my desserts. And I'm not, I haven't spent the summer really doing that. Now, let's say you have an event okay. on September 7th. Okay. And then you have DopeyCon on October 7th. Right. And you, you don't want to be a big fat Jewish guy. You want to be lean and mean and people go, oh, I can't believe Dave looks so good. What do I do? What is the crash course dopey fitness challenge for a, let's say a 25 day radius and then a 50 day radius? What can be done in that time? Well, if it were me. Yes. And I had 25 days. Yes. And I'm regimented. Are you regimented? What is regimented? It means you can stay disciplined. I don't know. Maybe. Like, okay, so if you want like the, the the silver bullet answer to like, all right, this is what I believe could get you very close to that. Now, again, I'm not- I like this. You're good. This is you taking off the wellness hat and going hardcore. I'm not suggesting that this is a long-term fix, but if you're asking me, okay, 30 days, 25 days, I need to get the best results possible. What would you do? I would eliminate all processed foods. What are processed foods? Like essentially, for the most part, it's things that come in a, in a box, in a bag, 
in you know that things that have like are graham crackers processed food i would consider that processed food and yeah. marshmallows yes and chocolate those are considered like ultra processed foods okay so what's a less less so no sweets if you're look again, this is the crash course. This isn't. I want that. Okay. Don't worry. I want the crash because course. what happens is some of these foods are more are hyper more hyper palatable. What does that mean? It means they they taste better. You're, you want more of them. Like when you're stressed, you're not reaching for broccoli, right? What are you reaching for? Graham crackers, exactly. chocolate, and marshmallows. Exactly. You know what they make when you put them together? Some more. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for you're saying for the next fifty five days, no Reese's, no s'mores, no nothing. I mean, if it were me, I would cut out, like I said, the processed foods. So uh, what would you, I get and so they're, and they're stressed. More, and they're more calorically dense, right? So like if you are eating marshmallows, for instance, yes. I mean, I, I would guess that a, I don't know the exact statistics on it, but I would guess like a handful of marshmallows has more calories and less nutritious value than does a handful of like grapes or broccoli. Yeah, because the goal when you're doing this is to preserve as much mu- muscle as possible because the goal shouldn't be, in my opinion, like if I were doing that, my goal wouldn't be to lose weight. It would be to drop body fat. And the way to drop your body fat percentage is to have more muscle than fat, right? So if your goal is to preserve muscle, that means you also need to be doing some form of resistance training and keeping your protein levels high. So you wouldn't go keto and add all that fat? I mean, I think it, you have to do what's going to be most sustainable for you. Now- you're just asking me what I would, I mean, what I would do, I know it works for me. I know I would cut out processed foods. I would stick to lean sources of protein, chicken, egg whites, fish. No meat. yolk. No, I do like, when I do make like an omelet, I'll do like one yolk and the rest egg What's whites. What's wrong with the yolk? There's nothing, so th- again, there's nothing wrong with it, but if the goal is to lose body fat, the yolk has calories, so I'm trying to save calories right. wherever I can. Right. And I could use the egg white has less calories, but also has protein, right? So I'm gaining some wiggle room and calories and adding some protein by by using the egg whites. It's the same thing like eating a chicken breast versus a chicken thigh. There's nothing inherently wrong with a chicken thigh, but there's more calories in four ounces of a chicken thigh than there is a four ounces of a lean chicken breast. But it's so juicy and delicious, the chicken thigh. It is, and I think for, mo- for, for most of the time and in every other instance but the one we're talking about. It's okay. It's fine. Now, I have a more important question. At the end of my day, I'm very stressed. I'm up to my eyeballs. I need relief. And for me, relief comes with sweets, comes with, with the s'mores, with the, with the, you know, even the Yasso yogurt pops that I love so much, dark chocolate. Can you suggest an alternative to dealing with my stress besides eating sweets after eight o'clock at night so if you couldn't eat sweets what would you do like if you couldn't if you couldn't use food as a crutch what would you do if you had to what have i done in the past yeah that's worked i take a sleep aid and go to bed okay let's let's not encourage that i, don't, okay. I mean you can i'm not i'm not judging you for it but i don't want to be the one who encourages that. so don't replace chocolate with with benadryl that's not the move like what would you if you were talking to like me and what I would, would I suggest? What would you suggest? A Benadryl. Benadryl, movie, and bed. But what if I told you the that, three I, Bs. that I wanted to do something oh, where, yeah, I, where, where I wasn't using any kind of substance or food? Masturbation, I would suggest. <laughs> okay. I would say masturbation or sex. Sex or masturbation and then bed. You could, like, what about, like, does your wife, like, cuddle with you when you get stressed? Sometimes. So you'd suggest cuddling. Well, I mean. Maybe sex if, I, if the cuddle goes well. I mean, that's, that's up to you guys, but wow. yes. I don't want to you know, su- suggest that I'm forcing your wife to do anything with you. Wow. Nobody wants to force her to do right. anything. 
But I think that if you communicate with her when you're stressed and being like, hey, you know, I'm trying to stay away from sweets for the next two months because I want to take better care of my health. I want to be a better father. I want to be a, whatever the reason is. I want to look better for these events. Yeah, whatever. You know, but you also have to make it about make it about her a little bit. So that way. Right. So you like, con her into thinking well, that she's helping the family. Well, I would imagine that part of the reason why you want to take your health serious is, is because of something with your kids and your family. You love your family. I, I, lo- I do. I love my right? family. Yes. So conveying that while also being like, listen, I'm going to be on stage. I have some big things coming up. I want to make sure that I look as good as I can. And then like, if you want to get into like healthier options for food, we could certainly talk about that. Cause one of my go-tos is I will take Greek yogurt. Do you like Greek yogurt? Greek nah, yogurt? But I'm listening. Okay. I'll take Greek yogurt. Yes. I will take a scoop of like protein powder. Yes. I'll throw it in there. Yes. I'll mix it up. Uh-huh. And then I'll either throw in some, again, depending on how many calories I've eaten for the day, you can throw in peanut butter. You can throw in PB2, which is like a powdered peanut butter. PB2? Yeah. What is that? It's just the, it's powdered peanuts without the oil and stuff. So it's not fatty? No. It's not caloric? No, I, th- I think a couple tablespoons of that, again, don't quote me on this, is like a third of what two tablespoons are of peanut butter because there's no oil. PB2. PB2. I mean, there, there's several. I think there's some off brands of it as well. And it's powder. It's powder. So you could just mix it all together. You can throw it into a blender. You can shoot it. You could smoke it. I mean, I'm not condoning anything. No, I'm sure you lose the, the deliciousness. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if you shot PB2 if you taste peanut butter. Like, as if you shoot heroin, you taste it. I bet you would. Well, but it the, might be really there's been painful. Substances, there's been some instances where I've gotten, like, vitamin IVs. And you can taste some of the vitamin because right. you're getting... A peanut butter IV could be delicious. <laughs> <laughs> the peanut butter taste floating into your mouth. That could be really delicious. That could be a whole thing. That could be a whole new brand. Peanut butter IV, IV peanut butter. No weight gain, just delicious protein that comes up through your blood. The taste through the IV is an amazing thing. It's just, it's a <laughs> mystical thing. All right, so what else are we talking about? We're talking about, so what else you put in that Greek yogurt besides protein and the yogurt? Protein, yogurt, throw in some peanut butter, some PB2. It seems like the consistency wouldn't be great. No, you mix it up and it tastes like a like pudding kind of. It's the same kind of consistency. Where's the sweetness coming from? The peanut butter. The peanut butter or, I mean, some of these protein powders, you can get like a chocolate peanut butter flavor. You can get like a birthday cake flavor. Really? It doesn't have to be like an unsweetened version. Okay, so you're taking a, a sweetened protein and turning a, a sour yogurt into a pudding. This is That's next level. I like that. Is Greek yogurt sour? I think so. Oh, okay. I think so. I'm not certain, but I, I mean, whenever I've had it, I haven't. I thought it was sour. Yeah. Or you can, I think you can also throw it in the freezer for a little bit too and make it like a little bit more solid. But again, like you're going to have to play around the consistency of it. Wow. I like, I like these ideas. So get rid of processed food. Keep your protein high. Do my 10,000 plus steps. I'm finally walking again. It was like months where I wasn't walking. I'm doing, I still do my 200. 200, 200 pushups, 200 crunches every day. And I've, and I've gotten better at it because I'm doing them in fifties instead of hundreds. So my form is better. What? You're savage. Well, I'm just trying to, trying to do something here. I mean, I'm no you, but I'm trying (laughs) to do something. I think that is a, and you know, I heard from a lot of people or several people in the dopey nation that really enjoyed your dopey fitness tips. So what is the new dopey fitness challenge? What do you want from them, from the dopes out there? In the doposphere. Huh. I think people need to hold you accountable for your goals. My goals? What about their goals? What? How much water should we be drinking again? I mean, I, I think the, the golden rule is like half your body weight in fluid ounces. 
So if you're 200 pounds, you should aim for 100 ounces, fluid ounces of water. Okay. And how many bottles of water is that? Like 10? I mean, the typical like bottled water that you would buy at a store that come in the cases, I think it's roughly five or six. I can do that. So five or six bottles of water, lean protein, no processed food, 10,000 steps, some kind of resistant training. That is the new Dopey Fitness Challenge. Depending on who it is. If you're, if you're somebody who is looking to get shredded yes. or, or lose some body fat yes. in a month, yes. I think that'll get you a good, a good bit of the way there. But you also have to, to figure out how many calories you're eating. So there's, there's, there's certain things you can do to do that, but you have to establish like a baseline first. You have to figure out like what you're eating because you can be eating healthy, but you're, if you're overeating, you're not going to lose weight. Right. If you're overeating chicken breast, if you're overeating broccoli, if you're overeating potatoes, if you're taking in too many calories, it's never going to work. Right. So a good metric of that could be to, again, just say you're switching up your diet, you're cutting out processed foods, you're eating your vegetables, your lean proteins, all of that. And then let's just say you're not losing weight or let's just say you're gaining a pound or two or whatever. Then maybe just cut down on the amount like 10 percent, 20 percent of the food or whatever the example is. And then play around with it. Then if you start to lose some weight, great. Then you're you're in a rhythm. And then if you stall a little bit, then maybe you have to de- slowly decrease your calories more and more. I think the big mistake people make, and again, it's because you ha- people aren't as focused on it, which I understand, is when they say they want to lose weight or they lose fat, they just don't eat. But the issue is you have to eat. You have to eat protein. You got to get veg- fruits, vegetables. You have to get your fiber. Like All that stuff matters because it all contributes, obviously, to your brain health, you know, your, your overall health and your body your functioning properly. Yeah. I think this is great. I think this is really, really good stuff. And also Doug has a podcast called the adversity advantage of which he did a killer episode that I was on. So if you're looking to find out more about me and me blaming my parents for my drug addiction, check out the adversity advantage. Doug was a probing psychological host for sure. Doug has a special coming up next month about weed and i want to know he said he said some things that are going to upset a lot of people in the dopey nation that maybe and this is from talking to scientists reading studies maybe weed isn't the greatest harm reduction tool ever created is this true doug i mean just based on what i've learned so far i i think that it's hard to classify something that's as addictive like it like weed is as something that can be a useful form of harm reduction for most people. That's just my opinion because of the addictive natures of it and that what I've observed that tends to happen based on who I've people I've spoken with so far is that when people try to transition from a hard drug down to something like marijuana, that they end up using both the hard drug and the marijuana or they could go back to their original drug. Now, what I've also learned is that if somebody is able to go from a hard drug to marijuana and successfully use it and have it be, have their, their life be healthy and they're happy with themselves and their family life, all that stuff. Like then it's also like, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that provided that whatever you're doing is legal and ethical, you know, all that stuff. I don't you wanna, get worried that you're going to send somebody down the wrong path. huh? Well, I don't want to, that's never my goal. I mean, you're at, I mean, I'm just trying to be, so you're a, saying don't shoot or snort PB2 and don't smoke <laughs> weed in a state where it's not legal to smoke weed. Exactly. Yeah. Don't 
do anything that's going to that's going to require you to blame Doug for your mishap. Well, no, you just, you, you, just, just, just want indemnity against your advice. Well, here. it's just that. Well, it's just a disclaimer of that. Make sure whatever you're doing is legal within the law. You're not going to violate any kind of athletic commitments, parole, probation, none of that. But what I you're asking me about what I've learned so far, I'm just trying to be honest in that I'm not judging anybody for what they do at all. But I think when you're, you're trying to classify something as a as, as a solution to a very emotional and touchy subject like addiction, I think we have to be careful on the messaging and how we classify certain things. Because then everybody can think that, oh, I can just go smoke weed. I don't need, I can just go from heroin to weed or coke to weed. And the problem is that, that doesn't work for a lot of people. And I would never want somebody to think that there's anything wrong with them because it doesn't work when in reality, Marijuana can be a, da- a dangerous <laughs> substance, just like any of the Definitely. others. Definitely. Check this out. I, I posted this thing on Instagram last night, and one of the memes I posted was, we're Portland sober, we do everything, right? And I guess for some reason, people got very upset, and they're like junkies in the picture. And this, this guy got very upset by this Portland sober joke. He says, I get the point of the first slide. But there is nothing wrong with California sober, if that works for you. I was an alcoholic for 10 years, haven't had a drink in seven years, but I enjoy cannabis almost daily. I have a good self-sustaining career, great relationships with family, and happier than I've ever been in my life. Be careful with the cult mentality of AA. Oh, and then they're starting to argue about the cult mentality of AA. My experience in countless meetings has always been the pushing of their their one-size-fits-all mentality there our way or the highway also claiming that god in quotes can be anything but most members ignore that and all you hear and they spelled here h-e-r-e just so you know all you hear is the lord this and that and jesus 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 this guy's going to terrible meetings they preach abstinence from all substances, including psychiatric medication, referring to antidepressants, not benzos. Basically, everyone needs to fucking fight. You say one thing and everyone's like, you can't smoke weed, you can't smoke weed. AA is just God and fascism. And what would you, what's your response to this? Well, my first thing is I'm not an AA, I'm not an NA. So like, I'm not, in, I'm not a 12 step person and, I'm not, and I'm, not, I'm not the police or the pot police saying that which, what people should or shouldn't do. My mission with this series isn't to demonize marijuana. It's just to educate people on the truth and the reality of how it impacts the brain, you know, how it impacts like kids and, and stuff like that and the addictive nature of it, and how it's changed over the years and how the THC content is is not what it used to be when when you and I were growing up. I don't know. The THC was, there was a lot of THC. when I, last, time, last time I smoked, there was a lot of THC in it, I think. I was smoking those concentrates. Shit is fucking heavy duty. And I still have a reservation about being an old stoner one day. You know that? I know. You, I think we've talked about that. I have a reservation of one day on the porch with the bong, almonds playing, good times. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have that reservation. I don't want it now. And I'm not against anyone smoking weed. I'm against people experimenting in their sobriety it not being effective, like like eating, you know, peanut butter on a diet and getting fat, you know, eating or whatever, smoking weed and winding up on drugs and dying from fentanyl is is my big concern for anybody out there. Right. Not the morality of weed. 
Right. And I think that you have to do what works for you. And listen, I wrote a whole book on the different paths of recovery. What's the book called? The Heart of Recovery, you know, back in, came, I think, in early 2019. You're a lauded author, too. How many books have you written, Doug? Uh, three. Wow. And what's coming up? What, when, what's the special called? I haven't come up with an exact title. Is for it called this. Weed is What You Need? No, but what I want to say is like, I don't think anybody should be pigeonholed in their recovery either. I think you have to find what works for you. I do think the problem is when one person comes out and says, California sober works for me or smoking weed works for me, that a lot of times it's like the addict nature to just say, well, I, I, I'm going to do that. I'm going right, to try that. Right. And then it might not work for them. That's what I'm thinking about your pudding Greek yogurt idea. All <laughs> I can think of is pudding ever since you said it. Well, there's no, I don't think there's any data to say that, you know, pudding and yogurt could uh, have any kind of negative impacts on your health. Would you rather have banana pudding, tapioca, butter, butter, what is that called? Butterscotch. What's tapioca? I don't know. Butterscotch or chocolate pudding. Tapioca is some weird blonde vanilla-ish pudding. What was the first one you said? Tapioca. No, you said something before that. Vanilla, butterscotch, tapioca, chocolate pudding, or a chocolate and vanilla swirl. Oh, the swirl for sure. Yeah, for sure. And would you say that your recovery approach is let your freak flag fly, do what works for you? Yeah, do what works for you, and then... Would you say let your freak flag fly? I don't know what that means. It means do your thing, man. Do your thing. Yeah. And also that just understand that just because somebody else's approach works for them doesn't necessarily mean it works for you. And then also... Like that, if your approach isn't working, then maybe it's it's time to try something else and try and, tr- and try to see things through. You know, I think that again, I, it's hard for me to say this because I'm not an AA or NA, but I do think that a lot of times people don't see it through and they don't give it 100% effort. They don't take it seriously. They don't just let go and do the steps and work. I mean, and I've been through the steps myself. Plenty of friends who are in it. I've been to meetings, even though that I, that's not how I got into recovery. But I do think it's important to see things through for a period of time before casting judgment on something like that. Well, being a fitness expert, a lauded author, a podcaster, wouldn't you say whatever effort you put in, you get out? Yes. And I do think there is also a healthy balance in things that can that needs to happen long term, not with I mean, not with not with drug use, but with like making sure that with fitness specifically is what I'm talking about, that you're not having this 30 day approach like we're talking about for the rest of your life, that you are leaving some room that if you, you know, want to have some sweets, you can, right? If you want to be able to go out with your kids for ice cream, which I know you like doing, that you're able to do that. I like to do it on a daily basis. (laughs) Okay. Well, but you get my point. Yes, I do. That there has to be a healthy balance with, with life and with everything. Just like you don't want to be going to meetings you know, 24 seven where all you're doing is you're, you know, cramming God down your throat. Yeah. And, and recovery, because I, and I think recovery obviously needs to be a, pr- a priority and it's important, but I do think it's also important to expand and make sure that you are maintaining healthy relationships, that you are, you know, focusing on your career and, and, and your health and stuff like that. I, I think you're preaching balance and maybe the subtext is let your freak flag fly. <laughs> Thank you, Doug. This has been an awesome edition of the dopey fitness challenge i appreciate you coming back stay strong so you want to say stay strong dopey nation and fucking toodles for chris stay strong dopey nation and fucking toodles for chris nice what's up dave and chris my name's jake i'm 25 years old from west virginia i just found dopey about two weeks ago and it's my favorite podcast of all time y'all are 
hilarious, and it's just gotten me through some really hard times, and though I'm not clean myself, you know, it gives me a lot of hope for the future. Um, I really like Dave's song, and I'm going to do a little cover of it here on my banjo. Hope y'all don't mind too much. I wrote a uh, third verse myself. Sorry about the poor quality. It's just on my phone. And, uh, sorry about the banjos. Things hard to keep in tune. <clears throat> sit through the uh, big inbox emails feel free to play a clip on the show if you want I, if not I know it kind of sucks alright I uh, really appreciate it thanks y'all